0: All right. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello, hello. Happy Ishtar. Happy Easter. Uh, thanks for joining in on this very last minute live stream that I was inspired to do. Um, I just finished. So, OK, I'm just going to run through this intro really quick and then I'm going to bring my guest in who was uh, very kind to jump on last minute with me. I have the one and only Josh Reed here with me from the Red Pill Project. And uh, I'm sure many of you are looking at this snake venom thing, watch the water, all that stuff. Um, I have uh, only touched on it on my telegram because just like so many of you, we're all waiting to see some more information on it. We're all trying to validate it. Um, It seems to be a very passionate debate on all sides. Um, And I like those kind of subjects. That's what we do here. I want to know what the truth is. And I'm not saying I got it, but there's some very interesting things that have come up and, um, right off the bat, I just want to say I that uh, red pill seventy eight, Zach over there, he just did a really great interview with Dr. Artis on his channel and asking him a lot of really tough questions, uh, which I was glad to see. And I'd like to see more interviews like that with Dr. Artis or anybody that's out there making these claims because we got to ask these questions. We got to figure this out. And my guest tonight, Josh Reed, has also recently interviewed Dr. Artis. And um, so we've got all this information flying around. I even went to a local protest here. We had it was more of like a we did another convoy in our area here on the island in British Columbia. Got some truckers driving through. Got a bunch of Canadian flags up. Went down to a beach. Um, had a nice big potluck gathering. They asked me to speak a little bit. Uh, Mike Gibson was there. That police officer that I had on my show, he was there speaking. I brought my girls and we're all just sitting around having campfires and singing songs and talking about freedom and all that stuff. And then, of course, every single person that came up to talk to me wanted to know my opinion about Watch the Water and all this snake venom stuff. So I'm like, you know, I've got to really start dedicating some time. I've watched, I watched Watch the Water. I watched uh, all, the interv- all the interviews I could get my hands on. I just kept them on in the background. And there was some interesting things that popped up. So before I jump into here with Josh, I just want to say that for anybody out there that will be there saying definitively one way or the other, um, let's just look at this. Let's just observe it. I don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows. We're just looking at it. Um, I find it interesting and especially the kind of research I've been doing on Cult of the Medics. And uh, after speaking with Josh offline, he's working on his documentary series, Slave Matrix, which you can go check that previous interview out that I did with him. And Regardless of if this whole poisoning of the water and snake venom instead of all this other stuff is true or not, a lot of interesting things have come up. And isn't it weird how we're all starting to look at this now? Like I'm finding out things uh, even more so about just how much snake venom is used in all the drugs, all the vaccines, all the technology. It's all over the place and the symbols and everything. And of course, if you've been watching Cult of the Medics, you know that we get into the deep church, the connection to the Vatican, the Holy See, the ancient history, the ancient serpent cults. And I just sit there and I'm like, you know what? This theory is too tempting for me. And that's why I withheld because I'm like, I don't want to just jump all over it because it sounds good. That would fit basically one of the elements of the theory that I've been rolling out. So I didn't want to be captured by my own work. And that's a thing that happens a lot. And I'm very cautious about that. Because I just want to know what's real. But gosh dang, are there some interesting things. So we got to talk about it. So let me bring on my guest. Everybody's comfy? Are we all good? How's the foxhole? Let me just check on the foxhole. Uh, I tried to get on the call, the live call in, because I wanted to ask Dr. Artis a question live on the air. Um, But uh, I I couldn't make it. But that's okay. There was so much. Yes, hello, everybody. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Everybody wants to see Josh. Dave, shut up. Bring the man in. Here he is. Mr. Josh Reed, the Red Pill Project, always a good time to have you back, brother. How you doing? I'm doing doing good, my friend. How are we doing? I'm ready to freaking go, boy. I hope everybody's ready to go. Every time Josh and I get together, shit happens. Yeah. I just want to. We just threw this at the wall. Uh, yeah. I just contacted you like 30 minutes ago, and dude, dude, you want to go talk about serpent cults and like snake venom? And shit? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, let's yeah! do it. So, okay, I, I don't even. Okay, I think where we should begin here. Okay Uh, because everybody's curious, is you interviewed Dr. Artis. I did. Okay. And you let me know when you want to run to the clip. I just want you to do a little intro on how you, like you watch Watch the Water. Like what's your personal experience with watching the thing leading up to your Dr. Artis interview? And then we'll start breaking it down. So I'll I'll give you my first perspective of it. Um, When I saw Watch the Water and I watched
1: the, uh, the trailer of it with Dr. Artis and Stu Peters, I was highly skeptical um you know when they're starting to talk about snake venom and stuff like that i watched the documentary that the one hour long one and uh, i really wasn't convinced that much right because there was really nothing presented there was no bibliography there was nothing no references put into the description right just some right. studies that he's holding up so i started doing my own research and i started taking notes on my sub stack and uh, kind of formulating an article and I started going, okay, there, there's some things happening here. There's he's, he's got some credibility here with this. So I immediately went out there, used my contacts and got Dr. Artis in the show. And, um, he showed me this one, um, article from NCIB, uh, NLM NIH. This is the the video that you have right there. And right when I saw this, I understood that there's something more going on here. Now, a lot of people are thinking that <clears throat> like, they're dumping snake venom into the water. This this is not the case. I actually asked Dr. Artisus, and he said, no, that'd be a hell of a lot of snake venom to be dumping into the water supply. That doesn't make any sense. Um, there's a few things it, that I want to touch on after you play this clip. I want play this clip and then we can kind of discuss from that point.
0: Yeah, yeah. Finish your thought. I was just bringing it up. Yeah, yeah no, so this no, is, no. This please, is from you. Yeah. yeah, sorry. What day did you interview him? Um, this ago? was third. This was Friday. Friday morning. Friday. Okay. Okay. So let's just watch this clip, and then we'll come back to you. Here, let's go and mute. Right. Okay. I,
2: this article was published in October of 2021. I want you to read the title. Read it.
1: Toxin-like peptides in plasm, urine, and feces from COVID-19 patients.
2: It's peer-reviewed and approved as of October 2021. They found toxin-like peptides in the blood, urine, and poop of COVID-19 patients, but not in those who PCR tested negative for COVID-19. Now, the interesting part is it says toxin-like peptides. Mm -hmm. Okay. The toxin-like peptides they found in all 20 of the COVID-19 patients, blood, urine, and poop contained 36 venom toxin peptides, 20 from snakes, 16 from Kono snails, poison. Look at the list. You'll see Crate spitting Cobra venom peptides, King Cobra venom peptides. It, it just goes on and on. There's four pages, four pages of venom toxins only found in the COVID-19 patients, zero of these things were found in the non-COVID patients. And I literally looked at the, all the people in the Zoom call yesterday, who was bad-mouthing me, and I said, will someone please go through this study and find out what I'm interpreting that is wrong, that they found 20 snake venom peptides in only the COVID-19 patients, and that there's 16 Kono snail toxins in the blood, poop and urine of only COVID-19 patients. That's peer reviewed and published. I want you to do that. And I said, are any of you aware of this study before you went into the media bad mouthing me? And you know what (laughs) they said? You know what they all said? Uh, I've never knew about this study. I said, well, will you please go look at it and then get back to me and tell me how the hell is it possible that venom from snakes and snails is ending up in COVID-19 patients and not in the non and notice something ironic. I even told them. Notice something ironic about the list. They kept telling us this came from bats. Yeah. There's not a single bat venom or peptide or anything related to bats in the study. Go well, explain to me why there's snake venom and kono snail venom in all these COVID nineteen patients.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting about that is um, an article from January 2020. Um, Out of China claimed that they had found the source of COVID-19 in Wuhan to be coming from snakes. Not only that is... They have one of the largest snake breeding farms in the world in China. The reason that happened is because in 2018, I think they had avian or bird flu, which they killed a lot of the chickens. And so they had to basically bring in a supplemental food source, and they call it a food source. But also, China's one of the number one vaccine manufacturers in the world, and they utilize chicken eggs for that vaccine manufacturing. And when they had the massive decline of the chicken population, they brought in snakes and started utilizing snake eggs, in the production of vaccines, and then right after, three months after that article came out, that that large farm was destroyed, shut down, gone, goodbye, never heard from again. <laughs>
0: wow. Um, okay, so this okay, so it was the study we were talking about. That's the Italy one, right? <laughs> right. right. I, I
1: got it right here pulled up.
0: <clears throat> oh, okay. cool.
1: And so, what I said that link out, so if we want to put it out in the chat or whatever, but it, it's um. The table one on there, it has all those fossil lipates on there, lipase. So it's a fossil lipase, which is basically the derivative of the snake toxin. Now, I asked him, I said, is this actually snake venom they're dumping in the water? Or is this synthetically derived or not synthetically derived, genetically modified into the actual coronavirus vaccine or uh, virus, the spike protein? Mm -hmm. Because I remember when I went back many, 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 many years ago, uh, 2020, many years ago, right? Uh, back in 2020 <clears throat> excuse me i did a video pertaining to the origins of covid19 and there was a, a article from nature nature.com about the origins of covid and how they're basically disproving that it was genetically altered but one of the interesting parts about that video was the the 13 RNA strands that were added onto the spike protein so if you know what a spike protein is basically you have your virus and it has all these like kind of like uh s- spikes on top of it And there was 13 RNA molecules added to that that increased the propensity for the virus to actually latch on, which is known as the ACE2 receptor. Now, just so happens that guess what snake venom and snail venom actually attacks? That ACE receptor in the body. Now, the ACE receptor is critically important because the ACE receptor itself suppresses your neurological development of neuropeptides dopamine, serotonin, <clears throat> so on and so forth. And this has greater significance as we move forward. And I explain the symbolic aspect of this, to how that actually ties into everything that your work and my work ties into. So, but going in here is I started proposing that maybe what they did is they modified the spike protein with this fossil lipase. Basically the spike protein goes in the bottle and the body and it does something to create the fossil lipase. And that's what I think is actually happening here is that's, you know, it's being spread by people and it's it's acute uh, toxicity, right? It's just slowly over time, people are becoming more toxified. People with comorbidities get the first rampant of it. The fossil lipase, what they do is they actually target your organs. And so if you have a certain comorbidity that is organ related lungs, kidneys, spleen, heart, brain, that's where it's going to attack. So um, I'm on board with Dr. Artis's theory, Although I don't know, um, you know what is truth and what is fact when we start talking about it. Now I have a friend whose good friend works at a—he's actually the head, the top guy at a water treatment plant in California. Okay. And we've requested from him to give a list of all the chemical additives that have been added to the water supply in the last two years, and we're waiting on that right now. But you know the fact that it's it's in the water. Oh, sorry, quick <laughs>
0: quick quick question on that, Josh. Just yeah my my brain kicks in and it goes okay but uh what if this was a massive covert conspiratorial operation to poison humanity with snake venom then how would anybody at the water treatment plants know about that this would have been i mean i just watched mission impossible 2 i mean they would have had like, i'm just thinking out of the box like just hypothetically i'm pretty sure the guy working at your local water treatment plant if that was the case would know anything about it it would have been snuck in It would have been a covert operation, right? I guess I'm just –
1: No, actually – Does that play at all? I started thinking about that. And uh, what do these – where do these water treatment plants get the chemical additives into the water? Where do they get them from?
0: Where do they get the chemicals from? Yeah. The chemical companies? Yeah. Well, I guess the shipping containers that come – What are the chemical companies? Well, the pharma – Who's making the vaccine? Pharma.
1: The cult of the medics, Josh. There you go. So here's the thing, is they can ship any chemicals they want to these people. They can make additives into them. They could probably even put it with the the fluoride in the water, right? I mean, I don't know. They could just add it into any of these chemical containers that are shipped to these water treatment plants. Who knows? I don't know. That's the thing is, is it in the water because it's coming through the fecal and the urine matter, or is it actually being put into the water and being disposed to people? Now I noticed Shanghai has 30 million people on lockdown. We've seen this. We've seen that there's a a massive food shortage happening in Shanghai right now in China, all throughout China. And one of the things that I noticed is they're killing all the animals, the pets, the, the dogs and the cats. And I asked myself, why would they be quarantining the dogs and the cats and killing them unless these dogs and cats are being used as a vector in some way to basically transmit whatever this is? And so have you ever seen the uh, the there's an older British show called Utopia and they respawn it on Amazon Prime. Okay, and what were they doing is they were putting a certain chemical in rabbits at petting zoos. That's right. To basically create, um, you know, for population control, make people infertile, okay? But it's spread through animals. You know, TV tells us a lot of stuff of what is actually happening. And I think what was going on is either they are putting it in animals' food or they could have been just putting it in the regular tap water because your animals are more prone to drink just regular tap water because you're not going to give them your filtered water, right? A lot of people are using filtered water and so on and so forth, but your animals, no. And your animals are continuously, you know – dropping their saliva, their hair, everything like that. They're laying on top of you. They're laying on your stuff. And so it's easy for them to shed. So that's just one of my theories. I don't know. I have no information to back all that up, but it's just interesting that China is decimating their animal population, dogs and cats right now.
0: That is interesting. And I'm still trying to get more on the China thing. I do have a friend that's in Taiwan that emails me stuff, but I have to kind of still vet it. And, you know, I'm still learning about that. So that is interesting what China's up to. Um, the other thing that came to mind, I remember listening to an interview with Dr. Artis where he was mentioning about that, that he, now this is anecdotal, it's just what he said for that, was he said he asked any everybody that he knew who lived on well water, and then he had friends ask their friends, so anybody living on well water, if they had COVID-19, and I'll just throw that in the chat, anybody that lives on well water, um, have you had this rona thing okay any one of the megatron variants or whatever and then uh he said but anybody that was just city water tap water they all got sick so that was just one thing i think he said that was like hey i'm just showing you what i got i don't have all the answers but that's one thing to think about um but that's interesting you're saying with the pets i guess my brain and everybody else's brain is trying to wrap their head around at least what we've been told about the pandemic because here's what we have to really go back and say all right who told you about everything to do with the pandemic who mm-hmm. told you i mean we're what are we doing guys what are we what have we been doing what have i been doing what have you been doing for 2 years with the pandemic we're going to these experts we're going to the the medical heretics that got banned from the cult that are talking about this right and what are they all doing they're all showing you these scientific studies that back up what they think on either side and then you sit back and you go okay and then the numbers and then there's our personal experience but You sit back and you go, so much of what we believe was told to us by somebody. And I guess I'm always in that mindset, even the guests I bring on, even the thing, I always have to play with this idea that I could be wrong. I could be getting either bad information or only pieces of information. This is the challenge that everybody is facing right now with all the stuff going on. Like think of all the subjects you talk about, Josh, and all the subjects I talk about. Big, big subjects that have a lot of relevance and 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 massive implications for our lives, right? So it's we're just doing the best we can, everybody is as well. But here's where I start to get a little bit, you know, upset a bit. Because when I start seeing other researchers such as ourselves and even people, you know, that come out, they're so confident. In one way or the other they're so confident that watch the whole watch the water thing is a big psyop and it's horrible it's bullshit there's no evidence behind it they know for a fact anybody that believes it is a red- and i'm like you sound like the vaxxer people that were saying i was crazy for questioning this jet well i saw like, did you see the david knight video of his uh david knight came
1: out and did a video against dr brian artist and he was just calling it garbage but he presented no argument it was all just conjecture. It was just basically, oh, this is fake because it's fake. And these people are bad because they're infiltrated. And he provided no, he didn't look at any of the medical reports. He didn't look at any of the studies, nothing. And it was a 30 yeah. minute long video that people were sending to me saying, you need to watch this. It's all bullshit. And I'm like, okay, I'll go watch it. And I watched it and I'm like, this is garbage. Like, think for yourself. Now, now David, there's another thing I want to touch on. So we did a... a, a um, Kind of a poll on a few of our shows, okay. and one of the polls I asked is, I said, "Does anybody out there?" And I'll do this right now. Anybody out there know anybody who's been adversely affected by the vaccine, either, either neurologically, blood clots, stroke, heart attack? Okay, we had almost a ninety-two percent rate of people saying yes. Now, statistically, that's highly improbable. So. I started looking into the vaccine aspect. Now, I'm going I'm to give you guys all, all a little inside information. People know that we had a, a death in, in my family recently.
0: Oh, I'm um, sorry to hear, brother. I'm sorry to hear.
1: You know, no, it, it I got to catch up on your work. Well, so... is my brother-in-law, all right? Uh, young kid Shit, in his 30s, military. Double, triple vaxxed. He had a stroke. Eventually, a heart attack. Had to be a heart transplant. Eventually, the, the infection just took over and he passed away. Um, Damn. His name is quite interesting. Well, his name is, it's, it's a Chinese name, Well, but his name, Peter, I don't want to really put his information out there. But I started searching the internet and all of a sudden I saw this doctor's name. And it was the same name as my brother-in-law. And it happened to do with something I was researching. I said, this is interesting. And so I started reading it and this guy basically came out. He's in Canada, by the way. Um, and he wrote this scholarly article about ACE inhibitors. And he said the virus uses an antiotensin-converting enzyme 2 receptor for internalization. This is an ACE2 receptor for internalization aided by a transmembrane protease serin 2 protease. The tissue localization of the receptors correlates with the COVID-19 presenting symptoms and organ dysfunction. Virus-induced antiogen converting enzyme 2 regulation may attenuate its functions, diminish its anti-inflammatory role, and heighten antiotensin two effects in the predisposed patient. So basically they're saying is we can use ACE2 down regulators or inhibitors to solve this problem of COVID-19. And this is where a lot of the medicines were operated in. Now, this is interesting because what does snake venom do? It down your ACE receptors. So I found it quite interesting that it's supposedly in the virus in the vaccine, and that's a down regulator of that ACE uh, uh, enzyme. But also, they're looking into medication to actually treat COVID with the same thing. Now, do you know one thing that the ACE inhibitor does? It, it very well, I know you don't know. I'm, I'm, I ask those questions like that, right? Have you ever heard of something called the uh, VMAT2 or the SLC18A2 gene? Nope. Well, have- it, you remember a video that came out uh, many years ago about Bill Gates talking to the CIA about the God gene and how he was talking, how we can we can basically shut this gene off. And people are like, oh, it's all fake. It's fake. It's fake. I right, think that right. video is real. After everything that I'm seeing right now, that video is freaking real.
0: I think it's real. I just don't think it's Bill Gates, but I think it's real.
1: OK. The VMAT 2 is also known as the God gene. The the SLC 1882 is the god gene. Mm -hmm. I hit Dr. Dean Radin on my show uh, many months ago. He's from the uh, Institute of Noetic Sciences, Edgar Mitchell. And he worked Mm -hmm. at SRI, that Stanford Research Initiative that was funded by the CIA to look into psi phenomena and remote viewing during the 1980s. This guy is 100% legitimate. And he said that they did a test. A genetic test on people who've had spiritual experiences, people who've gone out and have psychic abilities, uh, psi abilities, remote viewing, and people who've never had those types of And what they found is one specific gene was expressed in the people who had these experiences, and the gene was turned off in people who didn't. That gene was SLC18A2. And this is why it's called the God gene. This is the gene that actually brings you closer to God. Now, when the vaccine and the virus started coming out, we started hearing a lot of people start talking about they lost their connectedness to God. They felt oh, right, separated I was... yeah. from God. And I've started researching this for the slave matrix. And then when all this stuff came out, I saw the ACE2 inhib- uh, inhibitors. Well, guess what? The VMAT2 gene, okay, is specifically tied to that process of, of ACE2 and uh, in, in, inhibit uh, in, uh, inhibitors. So basically, is if you do, uh, if you so there's something known as a monoamine. I don't know. I'm not a chemist. I studied biology a little bit in high school, but you have monoamines. The monoamine cycle is basically what expresses the vmat 2 enzyme to produce this SLC18A2 gene to actually be expressed. Okay? okay. Now that monoamine cycle is dependent upon those ACE2 receptors being upregulated. If those ACE2 receptors are down-regulated and turned off, that cycle turns off, and that gene downregulates, and that gene shuts off. And I started going, what, what is going on here? So give everybody an idea. Is ACE inhibitors, basically the things that that uh, stop that process, inhibit that process from actually happening. They go in there and actually allow this monoamnes chain to actually go in there and express this God gene. When you pull them out, what it does is it decreases the functionality of serotonin, dopamine, and so forth in the neurological channels and starts – basically um, unexpresses that gene in people who have that gene expressed. Now, what is the number one symptom that we're seeing with people who are getting the vaccine? Neurological diseases. Okay. Yeah, it's neurological
0: and heart, but you could also say heart is neurologically caused. Like it could be a neurological problem or nervous system or something as well. Like, yeah. so yeah, go ahead though.
1: Yeah, this, this whole process, I mean, the, the ACE regulation, up regulation, down regulation has everything to do with your, your respiratory system, your, your cardiac system and your neurological system. But so think about this. If people are all of a sudden having neurological problems and they're being treated with a drugs or potentially a virus that has a genetically modified spec protein that creates an ACE2 down regulation, well, there's your problem right there. Is it shutting down that whole ACE2 receptive process within their body. It's attacking it, which means that their neurological functionality, right? Th- so think about your neurological functionality in the sense of, of, of a relay, right? When everything is is good and great, your your neurology works like at the speed of light, right? Right. But when but when it's down-regulated, it slows down. It gets lethargic. That's what's happening with people. And so when Dr. Artis came out with this, I'm like, oh my God, th- th- this is the key I've been looking for.
0: Because you were already on that idea. They were doing stuff with that. Right. Because that, of the research. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah.
1: Well, then he went in in the documentary and he started like, well, I wanted to break down the words. And you know how I am with words, etymology. We have to look at the root structure of words, where these words come from and why these words are so important. He goes, I was looking at the definition of Corona and there's like 19 definitions. And he saw one was the miter, the M-I-T-E-R, the hat that the Pope wears in the, the mm. gold fringe around the miter. Is known as a corona. Now, kings and queens, we wear crowns, and those are coronas. These are symbolically representative of the corona around the sun, the the, the rays of the sun that come out. This is where the word corona actually derives from. And then he breaks down the word virus, and he says that the word virus actually derives from the word venom. And so in 2019, they were trying to figure out a name for this, but they wanted to include the word virus into it. He's like, well, why would they want to include the word virus into the vaccine? Well, you would have Corona Venom, "coronavirus." If he said King Venom or, you know, King Venom, King Cobra, right? I, I understand his logic on that, but inherently it's wrong. This is the thing. When we start looking at the symbolic nature of everything that's going on, we have to look at the inversive properties of how these cults actually operate. Satanism itself is an inversion, right? An inversion of of kind of like the the normal doctrine of how things operate. And it's an inversion of natural law, if you want to look at it like that. Uh, A lot of my research has been done in the sense of, of cults and knowledge and the suppression of knowledge by these cults and other supplementary cults that rise up and try to basically kill these people because they're they're putting knowledge out there one of the oldest secret societies on this planet is known as the brotherhood of the serpent this is Mm -hmm. i mean you're not going to find very much information on i had to dig for this stuff okay you have the the brotherhood of the white dragon the brotherhood of the yellow dragon they represent east and west and a lot of people just
0: just pause you real quick because i want i want to hear all about this cult because i know exactly who you're talking about but um, just for people that are new to this kind of stuff, yeah, serpent worship. Go look up. I had slides, but we don't even need it. Go look up serpent worship, and just realize that serpent worship is the most ancient form of religion on this planet. You go. I mean, what's the pharaohs wearing on their heads, by the way? Well, you know, that's you called a Exactly. So, and there's a variety of them. And what what'll blow your mind is just how many cultures. Revere the serpent for one thing or the other. And then one last thing is in chapter seven of Cult of the Medics, when I get into pharmacia with Gary Wayne, and please go watch that interview I did with him. And if you put it all together, some of the stuff he says is going to also feed in very well. But one thing that he was talking about was that this serpent cult that was kept alive through the Templar, Rosicrucian, um, Benedictine who lay, groups who became the Knights of Malta, that it, they look at themselves as a medic, as a drug cult, as a medical cult, and as a wisdom cult. Mm-hmm. And just that word wisdom, don't make don't believe that it's always only a positive thing. It's just knowledge. So I'm just trying to validate what you just said there, Josh, and give people some things that they can start with, and then now take it away with the oldest ancient serpent cult. Go ahead.
1: So, hold on one second. Uh, so the serpent cult, now, we can trace the serpent cult back to i guess post diluvian right we we would want to say that they're pre diluvian but it's really post diluvian um and, and the idea yeah. is who was the founder of the serpent cult well you have to look at symbolic relationships to it uh, and through my research i come out and i got to pull up my notes here that the founder of the serpent cult was a, a Akkadian god by the name of ea 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 okay well this is Sumerian, Enki. So, if you okay. know, symbolically, if you go to Varikosha, so forth, these are all representative of this god known as Enki. Now, Enki in the ancient alien, alien Anunnaki aspect is the creator god who utilized his own blood, DNA, whatever, to create humanity. His brother and father, Anu and Enlil, didn't like what he did. And so, uh, Enlil flooded the earth. Now, Enlil's name means um, god of the wind and storms. He's the one that flooded the earth. Now, Enki's name, quite interesting, um, is named as uh, he was the lord of the Apsu, which meant fresh waters beneath the earth. The name Enki translates to lord of the earth. In Sumerian and ancient alien myths, Enki is a creator of mankind genetically altered a primitive species by splicing their DNA with their own. Okay, He's depicted as the modern day Capricorn of a half-goat half fish now enki is represented in various other religions as a serpent because he brought about what's known as the serpent knowledge the knowledge of the serpent okay but he was represented as a modern day baphomet the whole idea of baphomet the whole idea of the devil derives from the derivation of enki so what happened is is enki basically after the flood, they flood and killed off many of most of mankind. Enki goes down there and capture and gets as many of the humankind as he can get. And he takes them and he leaves his spot in heaven and comes down to earth. Okay. And he takes mankind and he teaches them the sacred knowledge and he sends them to the four corners of the earth. This is a story of Toth. This is the story of Hermes Trismegistus. This is Enki. This is post-diluvian. I mean, this is 8,000, story- 9,000, 10,000 years ago.
0: The story you just told is ubiquitous throughout ancient mythology, it religion. It's just different names, different characters, different thing. But think about it. There's a core truth to it. It's just that people created mythology around it to communicate the story. But what you just talked about, that whole, the two brothers, the twins, right? Mm-hmm. One is fallen from grace. Think of the, even the story of Thor and and, uh, and what is it? It's not Enki. It's uh, Thor's looks- brother. Loki, 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 Enki, like the whole thing. Come on. Like, and they're telling you all this stuff in the movies, by the way, but continue. Yep.
1: So in an Akkadian lore, Enki or Ea was the god of ritual purification. A cleansing waters were called Ease water. Enki governed the arts of sorcery and incantations. In other words, he was the deliverer of magic to the early people. Bring uh, Magic being a process of consciousness, optimizing the state within reality through a set of pr- ritual processes. Enki was also the father of Marduk, the national god of Babylon, which will make a lot of sense here in a few minutes. Okay, so... Enki, if you just start going through yeah. history and you start looking at the serpent worship, Enki was the father of the Brotherhood of the Serpent. It was originally started to save mankind and give them this knowledge of their heritage of from these designer or creator gods. Enlil wanted nothing to do with it. Enlil goes, Enlil goes out there and he basically found what we can call the Brotherhood of the Eagle. And These are the Eagle cults that we see coming up. If you look at the Vatican, if you look at the Holy Roman Empire, if you start looking at the United States of America, you start looking at the Spaniards during the Inquisitions, if you start looking at the Spaniards that came over here to the United States and decimated all the the indigenous populations, they were all represented by the eagle. Now, here's the thing is all these indigenous populations that they decimated throughout the Crusades, throughout the Inquisitions, whether they came over to America or South America and Central America, they were all the the religions, the pagan religions that worshiped the serpent. Think about this. In uh, um, St. Patrick, Right? We, say, we celebrate St. Patty's Day. We dress in green and we go out there and drink beer. Why do you think you're dressing green? It has nothing to do with shamrocks. It has everything to do that St. Patty went and killed all the snakes in Ireland. Here's the thing. There's no native snakes to Ireland. There never was any native snakes to Ireland. St. Patrick went there with a group of mercenaries and killed all the Druids. All the pagan worshippers who were worshipping what? The serpent. Now, what does the serpent have to do with anything well you just mentioned in um uh egypt the pharaohs would wear a crown a corona okay and you would have a bird and a cobra coming out of it now if we go back to like the the ancient Vedic traditions In Vedic mythology, the serpent was representative of the primal life force that rises up from the basal chakra up the spine, which is also known as Jacob's ladder, the 33 steps of Jacob's ladder, into the crown, okay, into the crown chakra. And what happens is, is we all know the process, the cerebral spinal fluid basically induces a pressure into the third eye, which the Kabbalah would call the loose, the nut Right, right here the center of your forehead. And that pressure basically would be a mechanical strain on the crystals around your third eye, producing a piezoelectric effect and inducing an ionization state within your third eye and enlightening, you, bringing you up to a higher state of consciousness, which opens you up to different levels of knowledge. This is from Vedic mythology. Now, we know that this is what Enki potentially was teaching these people, was the serpent mythology, the rising of their consciousness, and the wisdom, the knowledge of translating this to the ages. So, now we get into this other aspect. Now, you said that Enki and N-level trends, they were. Okay, this is where it gets absolutely effing crazy. You know my whole perspective on Lucifer, and we've talked about this before. Yeah. Now, if we go back and we start looking at these ancient goddesses, right? I started with Athena because Athena was a mysterious goddess in ancient Greece. She was named after um, Athens. The reason they named her after Athens is because they had no idea what to call her. And I started looking at the symbolic relationship to these different goddesses. I had Iana, I had Ishtar, I had, um, I had Athena, I had Isis in Egypt, I had Minevra. Right. I started looking at all them and um, I I did some research the other day because I don't know if you saw the whole, uh, what's his name, Will Smith stuff with him and Jada. Right. Mm
0: -hmm. Jada
1: decided to film him one day and she starts talking about Alstair Perel is coming on her show. And I'm like, Alstair, Alstair, what the hell are you talking about? Alstair, I know that name. Alstair is Astra, is Astre, is Ishtar. I'm like, why are they calling this woman Alstair? Sure enough, she's friends with Marina Abramovic. And that immediately led me to the religion of the Lima, Thelma, of the Lima, Alistair Crawley's religion. And I started researching there, and then it leads me right back to Athena. Because Astra, Astara, whoever the goddess you want to call it, this is Ishtar of ancient Babylon. It's the same goddess over and over again. Well, I'll tell everybody here the story of Athena and Minerva and how this translates throughout history. We have to understand that our history has been hidden From us, that knowledge of our past, of who we are, what we are, has been hidden and taken from us. And all of these mythological stories that we're talking about right here, you don't look at these deities as actual real beings. Look at them as representatives, symbolic representations of knowledge through time. It's a millennia's game of telephone. I tell you one thing, you tell them one thing, and then you add cultural attributes into this game of telephone over thousands and thousands of years, and you have mythology born, okay? So except
0: one little caveat, I must say, I must say, because everybody has to go see our recent episode on unslaved, where Michael and I talk about cult of the medics from the perspective of this book. All right. And chapter seven in this book is called, guess what? Serpent Queens talking about all things you're talking about that. But I just want to say real quick, um, all of those layers you're talking about, that craft and mythology about a story. If you zoom back far enough, you can actually find out that there's obviously in the human mind for something to catch fire like that, there must have been something real that happened that became associated with it. Some people have speculated we're talking about fallen stars, fallen comets, uh, cataclysm, meteors hitting the earth, et cetera. A lot of maybe ideas were born out of that. Um, But you can also bring in the idea of um, a foreign visitation of some kind and an interference in humanity's past. That is a buried memory that no one wants to talk about, which is why nobody to this day, you know, we're oddly fascinated by it, but we're also horrified by even thinking of those implications. Um, so I say, I just wanted to say just because there's a mythology doesn't mean it was built for the purpose of only mythology of having right. these deep philosophical and astrotheology theology, connecting the heaven and the earth together through symbolism and telling stories. Um, there's also root experiences that were used to build those. And then the layers of all that other stuff was added layer uh, later. So I just wanted to, that's we talk about that in this interview. I know you agree with this too, Josh, but I just wanted to point that out for people. Right.
1: And I appreciate that. So Athena, the, the, the patron goddess of Greece of Greece, she goes out and she's born out of the forehead of Zeus. She has no mother. She's bo- so it's a Macan conception at the forehead of Zeus. She's born with all the wisdom of the gods. And immediately when I saw this, I'm like, this is odd. This is like, unlike any other God or goddess I've ever talked about in my life. Right. Nor ever read about in my life. And then it said that Athena didn't trust mankind with knowledge. And she hid the knowledge from mankind of the gods that she had pertained. And I said, okay, that's interesting. So I started looking at different uh, counterparts of Athena and you start finding the Roman goddess, Minerva, Minerva, Minerva. And Minevra, okay, had all the go- knowledge of the gods, and this is the goddess of fertility. This is the goddess of wisdom. Wisdom and fertility go hand in hand with these different goddesses. And if you want to find how they translate through different cultures, you just look at the what they were worshipped for, goddess and fertility and wisdom. Okay, sometimes they'll add the goddess of war in there, but in actuality, I mean. Fertility and wisdom go hand in hand because of the fertility process of how things birth and die, uh, die and are born is the wisdom of the ages. Okay, so Minevra, she basically is represented by an owl. Now, it's looked at in the sense that where would you hide this knowledge? Now, the owl is symbolized by wisdom. Why is the owl in the darkness symbolized by wisdom? Because that's where Athena or Minevra hid the wisdom. And so if we start looking into kind of like Bohemian Grove, Bohemian Grove has the big owl of Moloch, right? And they have the bonfire in front of them. And on the backdrop, you see the shadow being cast. And right when I saw that, I go, oh my goodness, that's it. See the shadow that's cast. So if you go out there and you shine a light on the owl that's hiding in the darkness, the owl is going to cast a shadow. Now the shadow is going to be an elongated owl. If you elongate the shadow of an owl, you get born bell, ball, you get born Moloch, the horned God. And so what this tells me is what is the light that they're shining on it, right? Firstly. And secondly, is it through, it's it's through the deceptive light that is shone on the owl that you miss the true knowledge. And instead you worship the shadow, the elongated shadow. And this is basically ignorance, right? So Basically, if you look at like Baal worship, if you look at any satanic worship, this is basically you're in a state of ignorance because you're missing the real knowledge of what's really there.
0: And so it's kind you're of like worshiping the, the shadow. You're It's the Plato's right, the cave the analogy, shadow. right? There and that's go. why they talk about this idea of the dark sun. You've heard about this, obviously, the black sun, the dark sun. This gets into where all the fool stuff came out in Germany, the history of all that, which is born into the the folklore of the West, which goes all the way back to Atlantis and stuff. And so you've got what you're saying is incredible. And people need to know the three main symbols. Well, aside from all the Egyptian ones, like pyramids and obelisks, you're going to see is you're going to see owls. You're going to see serpents. And you're going to see, what's the other one? You're going to see lions. I'm trying to think of the main ones. And then you're going to, you said the other one. So it's, oh, eagles. Yes, eagles. And I just wanted to say, when you're doing the eagles versus serpents thing, um, Lord of the Rings told you the whole thing in that movie. It It was the Nazgul. And what came to save the day? It was the eagles. Okay, go ahead. All right.
1: So when we shine what I call the deceptive light on the owl in the darkness to unveil the knowledge, instead it casts a shadow. And anybody who doesn't know the mystery religions or are indoctrinated into the mystery religions, they will worship the shadow as the knowledge, which is basically a state of ignorance. Now, this makes a lot more sense when you understand the light that is being shone on the owl. Light in front of you everywhere around you. This is the light of Lucifer or the deceiver Lucifer. This isn't the same as Lucifer which is worshiped by these ancient cults. The deceiver Lucifer is the light around you, the light created by matter, okay? So what happens is is light shines and reflects and refracts off of everything. It goes into your eyes and your skin, it's absorbed obviously, but it stimulates the rods and the cones in your eyes, produces electrical signals to go down your your um your optic nerve to your uh your Cerebral, your neocortex, your what is it? It's your
0: cerebral cortex, R complex, or the back of the brain, the atavistic centers, the the base brain. Yeah, I can't remember the name.
1: Yeah, well, it's where all your vision is created, right? Right. Your cerebral cortex. Back here has never experienced light before in its existence. No light has ever penetrated your brain and been in that aspect of your brain before. So your brain doesn't know what light is. It's never experienced light. But instead, what it does is it produces this tapestry. Of reality telling you that this is what is actually out there when in actuality, that's a deception. So this is why it's called the deceptive light. It's the light of matter that basically fools your mind into believing that this is reality. When in actuality, it's a very, very thin, small part of what is actually there. And it's being created by your beliefs, by your education, by your experiences, your indoctrinations, by a formulation of all these thoughts, ideas, and concepts that you kept within your mind is basically the filter through which your reality is created. And this is deceptive because that's not really what reality is. Reality is in a sense absolute in the mind of God. Okay.
0: Oh, just pause. So sorry, because there's so many points. Um, So just go look at the logo for Pink Floyd's The Wall. Mm-hmm. And then reinterpret what what Josh just said about the process of viewing light and creating reality. Um, and what's the wall that he's really talking about? It's the illusion, the Maya, right? And then, of yep. course, the light with the prism and everything else. And by the way, there was a really good meme with the whole groomer thing. Did you see that with the groomers? You put the kid in and then... The kid, yeah, anyways, um, so one thing I want to let people know about so that they're not confused because I do have people that are tuning into this kind of knowledge for the first time and I want to make sure you guys can follow along because we're going fast here, okay? Lots more coming. Um, the reason why it's important for us to go from talking about Dr. Artis' documentary and Venom and COVID and what's happening with that, all of a sudden we're into ancient mythology and talking about all this stuff is because we're talking about knowledge that is known in both the positive world, like just the people that hold knowledge, that don't have any nefarious agenda, these are the wisdom keepers, and then the dark occult. And the people that I believe, and that Josh and we talk about a lot, that are running the World Economic Forum, that are running the Vatican, that are running Hollywood, that are running through the CIA and through their compartmentalized matrix system, slave matrix. Um, They are into this kind of information and knowledge deeply. They're raised in it. They believe it. This is their, they have their own version of everything we're talking about in their own. These are what, what you could call secret religions, which we've only gotten glimpses of it. Okay. So that's why we're talking about it because they believe this, and this is how they, they employ symbolism and ritual through I mean, just look at those 2012 Olympic ceremonies. Just look at just the ritual that you're introduced to through these television commercials. Um, Thinking about this artificial light concept Josh is talking about. He was just talking about the reflection from matter itself, like the sun shining off the water of the lake or whatever. But then also the synthetic fluorescent world go into a Walmart with the fake, the the fluorescent synthetic light, Um, you know, that, yeah, it's a tool because you can see in the dark, but we used to, view the world through torchlight, through candlelight, through firelight, right? And now we're into the synthetic light world, which I guess has a lot of benefits for certain things, but it is another layer of artificial light. And they use that knowledge. All it is, is knowledge. It doesn't mean it's good or bad. It just means it's knowledge, but they use that knowledge of how to manipulate light and that therefore manipulating your perception of reality through the television screens, through the just the, the, the synthetic atmosphere that they've created and corralled us into these massive mega cities, we've been corralled into them. And that's what this great reset is. It's a Luciferian agenda to get you away from nature and to corral you into these big, super smart cities. Uh, they'll never be wise cities. They'll be smart cities. Um, and just, this, so this is, I'm tr- we're trying to say, like, you need to know this knowledge. You are learning their playbook here, their manual. You have to know how your enemy thinks, okay? So I just want to put that out there. Josh, go ahead. I'll shut up. No worries, dude.
1: Albert Pike in the late 1800s wrote a book called Morals and Dogma. In the book, he talked about, he called for the destruction of Christianity and atheism at the same time. Now, that didn't make really really much sense to me. Why is he calling for the destruction of atheism, which is basically the most strongest proponent of Satanism? He also called Satanism heresy, as well as a blasphemous religion. Satanism. He, he he they weren't Satanist, but he said that the real war here on this planet is between Lucifer and Adoni. Adonai, Adonai, or Adam, if you want to call it that. And uh, so I, I started reading this and I'm like, well, this is this is kind of interesting, right? Well, what is what what is the Lucifer that they worship and who is Adonai or Adonis or however you want to pronounce it? Well, you come to find out that Ad- Adonai or Adonis is basically. Jesus is basically the, the Christian God, if you want to look at it like that, or Mithras or any of these various types of uh, Trinity type of gods that are born out of a co- convergence of two other processes. the are also sun, sun gods,
0: gods, the sun, the sun right. gods. Yeah. the
1: sun gods, exactly that. And I said, wait a minute here. I know about this. In Genesis three, God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. God just told you right there. Who Lucifer and Adonai were. Think about it. Enki and Enlil were twins. Lucifer and Adonai are twins. Lucifer is the bringer of light. Lucifer is the morning star. Okay? Okay. Now, this is, this is, you gotta understand, I know you know that, but everybody out there, you have to understand how these words are written and why they're written in this context. So, Adonai is where we get the word Adam, right? Adam and Eve, Garden of Eden. What what is the smallest particle of matter known as? The Adam. Adam. (laughs) So, God takes light, creates light. And then says, I'm separating the light from the darkness. So God created two angels, twins, at that moment. He created Lucifer and Adonis. Lucifer was light, and Adonis was darkness, or matter. Okay? Adonai is matter, is the physical reality of matter, where uh, Lucifer is the light world of the universe. And this will make a lot more sense. This is why... Albert Pike is talking about this, that we must defeat this materialistic aspect of religion and philosophy that has infiltrated every aspect of society, because this was the true evil. Now, if you think about this, you go back to the church, and I'm not talking about Christianity modern day. I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about the Catholics and these people. I'm talking to the Holy Roman Empire, these types of things. The
0: Vaticano.
1: That the, the Vatica,
0: right? And just before we do Vatica, I just noticed a comment. Let's nip it in the butt. Somebody was saying Albert Pike equals bad. I got to tell you, man, I am not a fan of Albert Pike because I also know he was we can get into this whole stick if we want, but I don't think it's necessary Um, as to what he got involved with. We're talking about the knowledge that they decided to drip out to the pub to while he was talking to the brethren that later got leaked out. Don't forget that this wasn't for the public to know. But when you get information like a book written by a high level Freemason like that, you don't just go, oh, it's evil. I'm never going to read it. You study what these people believe and what they think and how right. they interpret these ancient myths. And don't forget, they didn't invent these stories. They didn't invent those symbols. They didn't invent the degree system. They didn't invent the pyramid. They didn't invent, they didn't invent any of it. They nicked it and they repackaged it and they created it into a system that would allow them to domin- have dominion over this earth and have power. So that's what we need to understand because the minute we get into these weeds, people are like, this guy was good, this guy, that's evil, that's it. No, no, forget everything you know and just we're looking at raw information and trying to understand how these people think. Just want to point that out.
1: Exactly. So when we start diving into this, I start realizing that this Adonis or Adonai or Adam character is representative of physicality, of physical matter, right? But he's a twin to Lucifer. Now, Lucifer, if if Adonai is matter, we just talked about the false light of Lucifer, which is light that derives from matter. So the false light of Lucifer is Adonis, is, is Adonai, is Adam. That means that the true light would be Lucifer. Now, I looked into this and I realized that I was right on my first intuition. The creation of dark and light there, the light is not light that we see all around us. It's the light of the soul. It's consciousness. Because if you look at that owl, soul. Yeah. that's right. If you look at that owl that sits in the darkness with the light of the soul, it illuminates the knowledge. But if you look at it with the false light of Lucifer, regular light, it casts a shadow of Baal or Moloch. Now think about that for a second. It starts to make a lot more sense when you start looking at these ancient religions and cults in the sense of the secret and what they were talking about in the sense of Lucifer. Now Lucifer is also represented by Toth, Prometheus, the fire, right? They always talk about in the ancient mystery, the the torch of knowledge is kept. The fire is always lit. And now what are we talking about here with the serpent cults? We're talking about a serpent that rises up and produces a fire in the head. Now, the third eye is known as the seat of God, the seat of the soul. And so this is the Lucifer. The Lucifer that they're talking about is your soul that's in your mind it's that that occupies that merges with the twins the adonis the matter and the soul the light that come together to create the creation of who we are and what we are that brings us closer to god the kingdom of god okay so i was just talking about how they suppress this knowledge over the years and this is going to all tie back into the serpent the snake
0: yeah, We're back getting team. back to it guys. You got okay, We got to go through crazy. all this. We're going through the underworld cycle here to come yeah, back. Trust you me. You have
1: to know their symbology. You have to understand what they believe, okay? Oh, and
0: speaking of symbology, sorry, do you want to do are you leading up to the caduceus or are we waiting for that? You don't you don't can know. bring
1: in the caduceus. Okay, any time I just you wanted want.
0: to The reason I'm bringing it up is cuz you're talking about two serpents and I also want to show people, I'm not going to show you the clip, but you know the movie The Gods of Eden, I think? Or no, not the God The Gods of what's that movie? With, the uh, it, now the book, uh, that's a different one. I'm thinking about the one with, they're in Egypt, the, the modern version, was it Christian Bale or something was in it? Mm. Anyways, in this, in this movie, I'll find the clip. I'll post it on my telegram. How about that? Yeah. It's talking of, they're in ancient Egypt and they're running from two monsters. Do you know what the two monsters were, Josh? I would they say. They were a white serpent and a black serpent, a giant mm. serpents, two giant serpents right? Intertwining each other. You should see the footage from this, from this movie. Okay. I'll find it. Yep. Um, what the hell is the symbol of the world health organization? What the hell is the symbol of medicine, medical symbols? Okay. Let me just, I'm just going to do this really quick. Cause I have to, I had this ready and, um, I'm going to just show people. Okay. Yep. Um, just really quick. I don't even have to show you too many. I'm just going to pull up the, just the Google page. If I put medical symbolism, here we are. All right. Just, just, it's everywhere. Okay. And various, you got the, uh, the one snake. Okay. And then you have the two snakes going up the spine. Yeah. To illuminate to, and remember there's the death on the skull, the base of the skull, the death that happens right before new life is formed, which is the new, that's the germation of the seed that comes from the cerebral spinal fluid, the whole thing. This is how they looked at it in the ancient world. Okay. And then it got grafted into mythology, but it's right there. And that just so happens to be the medical symbol, the two serpents. Okay. And then of course the world health organization, I think adopted this one and grafted it onto theirs. We can look it up, but you guys have seen it. All you got to do is look at that very interesting thing. And this was what I wanted to ask on the show. If I could have got into the call in section was, um, what are the main symbols of medicine? and when it comes to relation to this and you're going to see serpents everywhere. You're also going to see the, uh, the mixture of serpentine um, venom, which is in the Hygieia. What's her name? The bowl of Hygieia, right? Or the mortar and pestle, the whole, all those medical symbols you're going to see all over your doctor's offices, your pharmaceutical companies. Uh, It's all over the place. They weren't made up yesterday. Even the red cross we could get into, but the symbolism tells you a lot of things. And if we're talking about this, with Oh, are they putting snake venom in vaccines? Are they putting snake venom in these drugs, remdesivir or whatever? They're making a lot of stuff out of snake venom in, the, in medical pharma. In fact, that was the origin of these apothecaries. They are apothecaries. The apothecaries, even before modern medical science, were able to isolate and get into specific dosages of these various Chemical compounds that they whip together out of nature. So they're taking sea conches, they're taking snakes, they're taking all kinds of rats, everything. And they're already starting this process of how to use that as medicine or as poison. So snake snake venom was used uh, as the first form of biological warfare. It was the oldest form of that's how you poison somebody. You know, in the Roman times, you throw some snake venom in the wine or whatever. And th- this is why in Rome, they had to reach around each other's arms to drink in front of each other. And they would even cheers each other to cheers some of their wine into the other guy's mug so that they would know, hey, we're not poisoning each other at this wedding. You know what I mean? So that it, everything we do that we just think, oh, I was just cheersing somebody. Everything we do has an ancient connection and a symbolic connection. So I just wanted to point those things out. And now let's move forward. All right. I, what
1: I want to do is I want I'm going to share my screen. I want to show this Twitter thread that I did because this explains it a little bit better. Um, there we go, and that should be coming up right there. Okay. So this is the Twitter thread. In Genesis, God said, "Let there be light," and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. Light is soul. Soul is soul. God created two sons from the same light: darkness and light. Adonis and Lucifer. What would be the creation of okay, what would be a creation of God that exists in darkness when separated from light? Take a real world context to understand what we are talking about here. Adonis existed in darkness. Lucifer exists in light. Without light, the soul animating matter, you're left with darkness. Therefore, we conclude that Adonis is matter, and Lucifer is the animus of matter or soul. Albert Pike and many of these ancient secret societies in the highest degree know and understand this. This is the mystery of the mysteries. Remember, this is not not that I agree with their actions or beliefs. I simply am a message interpreting the message. God created two suns, sun and sun, S-U-N and S-O-N, the light sun and the dark sun. One is balanced and pure. The other is chaos within balance. And now we got the symbology here, right? Balance and pure, chaos within balance, okay? These concepts form a basic understanding of how the universe and reality work together. This therefore forms a foundation of creation Or magic. Both these suns exist within you. One path is balance and pure, it brings light and rejuvenation to the world, enlightened. The other path is chaos. It is destructive to the creative intention and derives a dismantling of balance. This is the necessity for the universe for one cannot be balanced without imbalance. From the smallest to the largest to us, this is the singular process of how reality works exoteric to esoteric dark to light good to bad knowledge and ignorance these all have a hidden path in which evolution and growth come they work together to form the emergent sun the trinity where the mysteries of the mother and the father are embodied okay and now we start wow, getting this is in good, man. oh yeah so i mean if you just go on with this is, uh, this is important to add, the Trinital Mother is the creative force, the emerging light that brings life, nourishes, and heals, where the Trinital Father exists in the darkness and is the destructive force. This is shown in many Immaculate Conception myths and mysteries. The Immaculate Conception is the deriving of the emergent son, the rebirth, resurrection, and embodiment of God into man. Although that has more to do with you and me than it does with the symbolic and anthropomorphic gods and goddesses. According to these mysteries, we are the emergent sons and daughters of the magical, creative, destructive process of the universe, or God. We embody within us all the mysteries from the mother and the resurrected father. We are the balance of Adonis and Lucifer, matter and soul. Now, magic comes from the marriage of knowledge and action when the worldview is developed, and the concept about rules, laws, and formal principles begin to emerge as a predicate. And one can utilize this as a method of advancement in life. creation and destruction repeat. So now I start getting back into the Lima cult, the Lucifer trust, Alice Bal, Alice oh, yeah. Bring all
0: that stuff out. yeah, yep. we,
1: we see wow. the rebirth of this ancient knowledge that was once suppressed and eradicated by the controlling faction that sought the power and the control over the knowledge. the church. Okay. The
0: deep church.
1: Okay. So this is where this gets good. I was mentioning Athena, Minevra, Ayana, all these. One thing that these goddesses all have in common, okay, is the hiding of knowledge or the third eye. Now, I started looking at that word Astra, Easter, Esther, um, Astara, Alster, right? And I came across some interesting things. Alistair Crowley in the the Velimo religion, he believed that, excuse me, that Ishtar, the the whore of Babylon, lived in an avatar throughout all of time. And that she actually existed on Earth during his time and he actually knew who she was. So when I started seeing this stuff about All-Star Perel, I go, oh my God, that's the name of Ishtar. So I started researching a little bit. Revelation 17 does does anybody off the top of their head know what Revelation 17 says?
0: Is this the one or is this 17 or 19 the one where they're talking about um how sorceries will be used to bring in the new tribulations or whatever I can't remember how they wrote it.
1: Babylon and the prostitute of the beast. So you ever heard of something oh, called different one. Mystery okay. Babylon? Yep. Okay, this is a uh, big context. Uh, uh, what was it? Bill Cooper did a big thing on this and I think he was 50% right. Uh, one of the seven angels who had seven bowls came and said to me, come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits by many waters with her kings of the earth committed adultery and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. Then the angel carried me away into the spirit of the wilderness. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with a blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering in gold, precious stones and pearls. She held a cup in her hand filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. The name written on her forehead was Mystery, Babylon the Great, the Mother of Prostitutes, the Abominations of the Earth. Now, I want everybody to understand what this is talking about. She had written right here, mystery. Why was she abomination and a horror of her adulteries? What did I just say about Athena? She didn't trust humanity with the knowledge. Minevra, she hid the knowledge in the darkness from mankind. Enki and Enlil. Enlil did not trust mankind with the knowledge. Enki sought to teach mankind the knowledge. Right now, in Wouldn't Babel, Pandora's
0: Pandora be in there too. Pandora's absolutely, box? yeah, absolutely, like you Pandora open the box, box and what, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, now go to Babylon and Babylon. You have the Tower of Babel. Now, this is one of the greatest mistranslations, I think, ever. We always think like the baby Babbles and not always about talking. They separated the people by tongue. The word Babel, etymologically, has no derivation to speak, to speech, to language. It literally translates to Bab B A B in El. L L is God. Bab is gate. Gate of God. The Tower of the Gate of God. How does that have anything to do with language? Well, it does if you look at it into a different context. The Tower of the Gate of God. Now we go to Solomon's Temple, Soul and Moon Temple. The Soul of Man. The Soul of Man's Temple. We have Jaquin and Boaz, the two pillars, the cherubims that protect the entrance to Solomon's Temple, which is the twelve. Um, the 12 tables of bread and the whole of the holies and the ark of the covenant, which is a contract with God. This is all talking about the same thing. If you look at symbology for Solomon's temple, you got two columns and you got the third eye. You get the all seeing eye. The all seeing eye. They're all talking about the same thing. This is the gate to God. This is the tower of Babel right here. It's the seat of the soul. It's the gateway to God. That's where you learn and realize and understand God is through self knowledge and self understanding, right? So the knowledge that Athena hid when she was born out of Zeus's forehead was how to raise consciousness, how to increase your consciousness with the knowledge, obviously, of the serpent. Okay, so Ishtar, she's a, listen to what it says here. I come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits by many waters with her kings of the earth committed adultery and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. She taught them the knowledge of the serpent and they suppressed it and hid it and destroyed the Tower of Babel. They destroyed the knowledge. The Tower of Babel is representative of the knowledge of the serpent, the knowledge of the rising of consciousness. The same thing with Athena. The same thing with um, Minerva. Now go to ancient Egypt. What did Isis? Fertility and knowledge of wisdom. It said that Isis held the knowledge of the universe in her eyes, but no man hath could come and raised her veil to learn the knowledge. Her veil sits over her eye, singular eye. This is all talking about the sacred knowledge. Now, this is where it gets crazy. What is it inside of ourselves that is our connection to that? Right there, the third eye, right? If you go to the Uraeus in ancient Egypt, the pharaohs wore the corona crown with the cobra that represented enlightenment, the enlightenment of two things: the eagle and the serpent. That's what they wore: the eagle and the serpent. It was the the balance of the 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 life force of the life powers that had risen their consciousness to a higher state. And this is what we're looking at. The serpent cults are the ones that taught the sacred knowledge like Ishtar in Babylon. And they came down and destroyed them. The God came down and destroyed them. This is the eagle cult that comes and destroys the Tower of Babel or suppresses the sacred knowledge. This is the same thing in in Rome, in Greece. They suppressed the sacred knowledge. The sacred knowledge is how to raise our consciousness. So now we come to now. So the serpent cults Around 19, uh, the end of 1900, the early, uh, two, uh, sorry, the end of the 19th century, the early 20th century, we have an infiltration that occurs within the mystery schools. And we can actually show this. If you go back to Madame Blavatsky, if you go back into Alice Bailey, Alistair Crawley, what they are doing specifically is they are worshiping. OK, they are worshipping. I can actually go in here and talk a little bit about the lima. Um, they're worshipping false gods and false knowledge and false idols. You see, Madame Bavosky, if you look at anything in the sense of Toth or Hermes Tritsch, which is from uh, ancient Egypt, we we have the books, the Book of Toth, the, the Emerald Tablets. All of these came through mediumship of Alice ba- or uh, of Madame Bavosky in the mid-1800s. Mediumship. They went into a trance, and they thought that they were connecting with the and Lumerians and, and Phoenicians and, and, and Egyptian pharaohs. And they were bringing this information in and translated it, and that's why they come up with the Book of Toth. They're not. Absolutely they're not. That's the David, you know as well as I do. There's magic, and then there's dark magic. And if we look at these dark cults, what they utilize is they utilize a mediumship with basically this other dimensionality the astral plane or whatever it might be to talk to these ascended beings and get information now every single one of those ascended beings wants what they want something in return they need something in return there's nothing you'll get for free alistair crawley even says this specifically it doesn't matter if you're if you're in a trance with an angel or a demon they're all going to want the same thing what is that same thing Sacrifice. They want some sort of sacrifice. That to me tells me that we're not talking to angels and we're not talking to demons. We're talking to something completely different. The Gnostics understood this. The Gnostics knew about this, and this is what I believe is the Watchers from the Book of Enoch that were were sent away for ninety generations. This is the Archons. This is the Archonal aspect. Of our reality that brought reality into existence, created mankind, but hide within those interdimensional worlds. It's even talked about in the Gnostics that, you know how the Gnostics said the archons ruled over mankind was as a sense of a virtual reality. They put them in a state of virtual reality where they would show them things in a trans like state through mediumship. And that's how they get the information. And I think what happened is they realized that these things were bad and they were giving them bad information over the time. And it was these things that allowed for the suppression of a lot of this knowledge. It's my theory that they infiltrated a lot of this um, rediscovery of these ancient mysteries around the 1850s into the 1900s and so on and so forth. Now, Aleister Crawley says that when he was up, I think it was in Scotland, and he created the Lima, he had to open the Magical Channel. And he did this in a translate state, trans state, and he channeled uh, an Egyptian pharaoh by the name of ankh Afna Kansu. And this is how the magical channel was created for the Lima. Now, here's the thing: is he says, whenever a magical channel is created between any entity that derives knowledge or that is going to give you anything, you have to give them something in return. And we know that they give up blood sacrifice, they give up blood, they give up time, they give up their souls. Um,
0: so, just to, just so people again, so because there's a lot of information to get here, is that they. there's such a hornet's nest here. So they, if we're trying to get a forensic psychological evaluation of the people that are trying to do all this shit to us. Okay. I'm trying to break this down. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why I think this is why a lot of people have trouble understanding conspiracy or how, how evil uh, these people are. Why what's motivating them to do this stuff? What's motivating them? The blood drinking rituals. What's motivating them? The children under the age of, 12 or whatever what's motivating them uh, to be able to whether it's poisoning everybody with snake venom or mrna or bats or uh 5g towers or whatever people think it is they're killing people that is a ritual sacrifice Mm -hmm. and now you're starting to understand their why that doesn't mean this is now your it's just this is how they think this is why they're doing it it's an ancient secret serpent cult go ahead
1: all right now, one of the things that I've talked about before, um, I believe on your show, we've talked about this, is the the grand time or the great time, the great calendar, and how what's actually happening here is if we if we happen to watch the sun every day in the sky, um, and we put a point in the sky every day at noon, right? The sun's going to actually form a figure eight in the sky over the entire three hundred and sixty five day period figure eight, obviously eight meta, we know that it means beyond God, but the sun, if you watch it every day in the sky at noon, because the sun's inclinating and declinating throughout the year, it's going to form a figure eight pattern. Well, guess what? The moon does this over a 29.5 day pattern. It forms a figure eight in the sky. As above, so below. That means that our solar system, as it transits through the the, uh, galactic center, does the same thing if you looked at it from an outward observer. That means that the sun's transit through the galaxy has a summer, a winter, And two equinoxes.
0: Oh, and that's, this is good. You're getting so much stuff. Uh, What game or what, what ball wins you the game in billiards or pool? What ball wins you the game? I don't know. Oh, the eight ball. The eight (laughs) ball. You sink the eight ball. And it's a black ball with a white circle with the eight on the white circle. So just, you know, it's everywhere, guys. The symbolism, this all comes from somewhere. Nobody just made it up sometime. This all has a history.
1: Okay, so I've talked about this a few other times. Um, You had a parade back in April of 2021 in Egypt where they took all the old gods of the new kingdom of Egypt and moved them from their resting places to a museum in Cairo. And they did this long parade. They had all those cars and they had uh, uh, Amatet and so forth, right? But this was the new kingdom of Egypt, right? So what was the old kingdom of Egypt? Why did the old kingdom end and the new kingdom begin? Well, then uh, it was approximately nine months later, which is quite, quite interesting. That's a gestation period of a human being. That's also the sun cycle period, right? The, uh, nine months later, uh, they had uh, Egypt Pharaoh's golden parade. This is the one we just talked about, but they also had the king's road. This goes from Karnak to Luxor or Luxor to Karnak, right? And Luxor and Karnak are, written, are built on the old kingdom of ancient Egypt, which is Thebes. And the road itself is 1.7 miles long, and it represents the declination of the star Osiris Os- uh, in the sky, which is represented the god Osiris. 1.7 degrees declination, 1.7 long degree road was the road between Karnak and um, Luxor, but also the road that connected all of Thebes. Thebes being the Old Kingdom, Karnak and Luxor being the New Kingdom. If you watch the winter solstice on December 21st, it will rise above the Temple of Luxor. If you watch the sunrise on Karnak on June 21st or on the uh, the summer solstice, it rises above there. And so it actually represents a translation between the two, right? So you watch the sunrise on one and the sunrise is over. That's a 1.7 degree declination. Obviously, Sirius has played into this. But I was wondering, why are they doing this uh, this parade nine months apart? It didn't really make sense. And I realized that we're entering into a new processional age, Now, if you start looking back into the historical context, you find out that every time that we enter into a four-age period, certain types of disasters and cataclysms happen on this planet. Uh, There's some good charts. I don't have them in front of me. Uh, They'll be on the slave matrix when this comes out. But it's my thought that what we're actually doing, and to give everybody a context of the, the, the galactic cycle, our solar system is moving through the galaxy, spins around the galaxy. It's like 130 million years or something. But in that process, it spirals, and it moves up, and it moves down, just like this. moves up and down through the galactic center. Now, the galaxy itself has two black holes at the center. The black hole at the the center of a black hole, you're going to have something known as a discretion disk, which is a concentration of gravitation that is spread uniformly in a parallel direction in all degrees. This is why our galaxy is a spinning arm. Everything is centered, gravitationally centered around the center, and there's nothing above it and below it. This is why it forms a disk. Now, that discretion disk, the gravitational disk, really goes on forever, infinitely throughout the universe. But really, it kind of loses its power over time. Now, our solar system travels through the center of that galactic arm to the top and then to the bottom. And that means if gravity is the strongest in the center of that galactic arm, that means that there's going to be a higher concentration of energy and matter in the center. So that means when we transit that center of that galactic arm, we're going to be impeded from the rest of the galaxy if you want to talk about it like that. Now, in 2014, a guy by the name of Dr. Martin Blank did some research on DNA. He found DNA is an electromagnetic transducer as well as a, a fractal antenna. What does that mean? Transducer means that you send and receive. And so he found that the DNA sends and receives information electromagnetic information. He also found that if you cut DNA in a half, if you cut it into a thousand pieces, it'll still send and receive that information at that same frequency. That's the fractal version. comes in. He found out that this frequency range was about 34.5, 33, 32 gigahertz in the microwave range. That interested him and he found out some other studies and went out there and saw that there's other articles, people claiming that the cosmic microwave background radiation, the CMBR of the universe, which starts at three gigahertz, tops out at 300 gigahertz, gigahertz, but really on the earth, because of the way the earth is set up, it tops out on the earth about 34 gigahertz. And they were curious that if the cosmic microwave background radiation had something to do with the ev- the genetic evolution and expression of humanity. And this is exactly what he was showing is that our DNA receives at this 34 gigahertz rate and also transmits at this 34 gigahertz rate. Now, this is what I said. I said, okay, now if we're going through a highly dense period, of the galactic center transit, that means that we're impeded from a signal in the universe. That means that we come out of that high density period, that signal is no longer impeded. And I said, if we wanted to look at the formulation of how the universe would actually progress conscious evolution, because it's progressing, obviously, matter evolution, why would it progress conscious evolution? It's a part of the universe. Then what we would see is that the spring and summer times is that you become more receptive to the signal What I mean by spring and summertime, spring and summer times of the sun's transit through the galaxy, right? Right. Because if it forms this figure eight. So if we're coming up into springtime, this means that the impedance of this frequency of the signal is lessening every day. And that means that we're all awakening to this more, uh, more consciousness, more understanding, more knowledge. We're reawakening the third eye. The third eye becomes ionized by this energy that is being put out by the entire universe, which is probable for evolution and puts us into golden ages. If we look at the age of civilization and golden ages, it happens during these one processional cycles that we're entering into right now—the spring and the summer time frames. We just went through what I would call eight years of darkness, and now we're moving dark to light, a recurring theme in the mythological, in the mystery schools and so forth. And this is what is meant by it, is that we go through these progresses, these processes of, of evolution and then darkness, suppression evolution, darkness, and suppression, back and forth. And this is what, I guess, just the process that the universe has for us to learn and evolve. And right now, we are entering the springtime where all of us are waking up. To give an example for people out there, I I always talk about a a radio station. Imagine that while we're going through this kind of impeded process, the center of the galaxy disk, right? That the earth is resonating at 103.5, like a radio station, okay? And we, and a bell curve, most people all re- resonate at that 103.5 pi- because most people's DNA is receiving the signal at that. But some people's DNA is a little bit different and tuned a little bit differently. Some people are getting at like 99.3. Those people, we know who they are, right? <laughs> yeah. But some of us are at like 105.5, 107.3, 109. And for the longest what clock, time.
0: What do you clock like a Biden in that? Was he like a like a, Yeah. Like a he's 12, like an 88.3,
1: right? But <laughs> so. Us people that have been like 105, 107, and 109 in frequency and resonance, we're sitting here going to those people at 103.5 for the longest time. Don't you guys see what's happening here? Don't you guys understand what's happening in the world? Because we can see it, because we have this higher access to knowledge and information. It's not because we we go out there, it's because that VMAT gene is turned on within us and it resonates. With this information, with this frequency that's being generated by the universe. And we're sitting here going, guys, don't you guys see it? They're like, what are you guys doing? You're crazy. You have no idea what you're talking about. Well, guess what? As we move closer and closer into this processional age towards the springtime, this Astara, this astara, this uh, this Astara processional age, the age of fertility, of awakening, of rebirth, of resurrection, Okay. We start coming to the knowledge. The Earth starts resonating more and more and more. We've been on a, a, a like a 33-year sun cycle that has been very, very low in historical context. Now it's starting to ramp up and the sun's starting to get more and more energetic. Why? Because of its relationship to the galactic center and the amount of cosmic radiation that's coming into our solar system because we're in an area of less impedance. So the Earth starts resonating more and more and starts moving more towards that 105. Now those people at 1035 are going like, what the hell is going on here? And we're sitting here going, we told you so you didn't want to listen to us. Everything is becoming more and more clear for us. You could actually call it a great awakening if you wanted to talk about it.
0: And so there, so just that was incredible. I I have no idea how you're able Josh to put like an entire PhD thesis into one (laughs) model. Is it brilliant? Well done. Um, So if people want to understand this, these sorcerers and black magicians and the white magic the good guys too they clock these cycles they know this information okay it's us the farm animals on the farm that are the ones trying to catch up because we were we were i believe we were interfered with at a certain period of time and are constantly interfered with to produce a different frequency amongst human beings that are, is not natural so mm-hmm. they put us in an un if you look like radio stations one way to think of it is like what you were saying with the people that are kind of waking up and the people that are going further into the depths of sleep are literally tuning into two different radio stations. You're like, dude, isn't this rock and roll music just amazing? They're like, what are you talking about? It's country music, bro. What do I don't even know what you... They're on different frequencies. Now, what if the hack of the matrix that they created was that they hacked us at a genetic level a long time ago? And everybody's going to... F- play around with when, how long ago they think. I think it goes back into ancient times. I believe, I think there's some good information to show that humanity sticks out like a sore thumb on this planet for a reason and that there's also a reason that we actually gravitate towards being ruled and that that is a frequency that was altered within us on a genetic level and then also on a psychological level, the psychological damage. If these black magicians realized that you, we have a traumatized being here, man is traumatized. So let's, because of past cataclysms, because of all kinds of things. And this is what these MK ultras and all those black budget projects were all about as well, was to go, okay, humanity is a traumatized, stunted species that is basically operating on zero point, whatever percent of our DNA potential and that our consciousness and psychological potential has been stunted through a lot of different things like chemicals in the water, in the air, in the food, the frequency of information that we're always tapped into, the artificial lights, all kinds of things that have been done over a long period of time. Like Remember the Romans, the Egyptians, the Babylonians, these cultures mastered how to master the masses, the masses, the master. So This art didn't just go away with the Industrial Revolution, my friends. The art of how to rule people the way Nero ruled people, that didn't go away. And they can tap into, I think, what you're talking about because they know about the galactic cycles, the planetary cycles, and also the consciousness cycles. They know how you tick literally right down to the atomic level, to genetic level. That knowledge, I mean, in the right hands... It would be the knowledge of how to assist humanity in its evolutionary path or in its development and awakening. But the other side that goes, no, this is a resource for us, right? Just like all those lab rats are a resource or those farm animals, this is a resource for us. So we need to keep them at a cool 103.5 frequency. We don't want them going up there. But what you're saying, if I'm right, is that nature has a different plan than these dark sorcerers do. They can't even mess with that. They think they can, but they can't because nature has a will of its own. God has a will of its own. So if by the process of nature and the movement of where we're situated is actually naturally and organically pinging and raising that frequency. And now this just so happens to be the time over the past, say, 20 years where there is something called an alternative research community. I mean, there was stuff before, but I'm talking about a boom of it. And then again, in 2016 was a big boom of it. And everybody thinks it's only to do with Trump. I, don't, I, don't, I just think that was a byproduct of it. Yep. I think there was already a movement that was setting up the momentum for that. And now, now you got all these people that are starting to go, hey, we should not be trusting those media. Hey, it's artificial light. Hey, they're lying to us. It's a serpent cult. Like, And then now it's spreading. And these guys need to stop that and cut that off and cut off the fact that we are naturally... Um, I don't want to use the word ascending because then all the new agers are going to get all cool. It's like, you know what I mean? We're we're moving in a direction of potential. We're evolving. We are evolving, absolutely. And they need to stunt that evolution, enter in COVID pandemic, biochemical attack. However they did it, here we are. The whole species, all biology is under threat at this point because they're trying to reconfigure those frequencies. Am I close? you are so close and you talked about genetic manipulation
1: and so i talk a lot about this and i don't know when it happened but if we go back to the 20th century there's a problem with people after they got married who had the rh positive factor in their blood baby with people who had rh negative where they'd always right. have a stillborn and that was fixed with obviously vitamin k shots and in certain therapies but the question is is why wasn't that prevalent before why was it just at that time why were there so many orphanages in the late, 19, late 19th century and the early 20th century, Huck Finn, uh, you had Little Orphan Annie. We have orphanages all around the world. I mean, they, they even talked about it in Canada because they found all those uh, those kids from the orphanage, right? In yeah. Pennsylvania, all throughout the United States. Where the, were the, yeah. all the parents? You got to ask yourself that. So I think the genetic manipulation might have been way earlier in our history, maybe just a few hundred years ago, like 300 years ago is when it probably happened because we start looking at things like uh, the, uh, the Black Plague we start looking at the numbers of the people that are buried in the French catacombs under Paris. Six million people apparently buried in three square miles of the French catacombs. and so the population of Paris during that time was 300,000. And the population of all of Europe was less than three million. How do you get six million people buried in three square miles? And it expands 30 square miles. That's a lot of people.
0: And do you know there was reports uh, from people? I, I put one in, I think it was chapter five or four. I can't remember um, where we talked about the plagues. And they, there were chroniclers that were writing about how the high-born and the wealthy royals did not get affected by the Black Plague. That's what they sure. wrote. And you're like, huh, they didn't get affected by the Black Plague, but then they, they killed off all the people that would have, right? The poor, the people living in poverty, you know. And then what's happening right now? Did uh, all the, like is Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum and the Vatican, are they all, are they all did they all die of myocarditis?
1: None no, of them are dying.
0: But, but all your everybody else is? Oh, okay. Just interesting. It's like the same pattern. It is. And so I think that a lot of this me- genetic manipulation potentially could have came very
1: early, uh, much earlier than we suspect. Now, going back into this, and I think this has a lot to do with it, um, I think that we were genetically suppressed during this 8,000-year period of darkness to basically be cut off from this signal to basically put us into our spiritual state of darkness and that's why these serpent cults kept this knowledge alive now i believe that these serpent cults like i was saying in the late 19th and early 20th century were hijacked by whatever this being these entities these people or whatever the hell it is this evil that has infiltrated our world and we know they're here now we know exactly that right they have definitely infiltrated our world whatever it is whether it's human beings just being evil i don't believe that. I think that it's something more supernatural, something interdimensional, extraterrestrial, something of that nature. And I think I call- it's actually
0: I'm going to say this, Josh. I actually think and I'm not putting out aside, I'm not putting away the idea of spiritual, interdimensional, all that stuff. But um, I think that this is way more physical than most people would be willing to admit. But that's just my opinion.
1: I think so, too. And I think that uh, it goes back to Eisenhower and meeting with uh, some aliens and maybe
0: some deals they've
1: made and they've been terrible. I don't even of- say
0: the word aliens anymore. I just say because I think people go uh, X-Files, all the stuff I saw in yeah. Hollywood. That's what you're talking about. I'm like, no, 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 no. People from other places. OK, it's so much. to understand. Like because You know why? Because it makes you think. Right. Because like on planet Earth, we go to other countries and we exploit them for resources and do so. We all do the war. Do Do you think we're the only things around? Like, what are we? What's happening on this planet? I don't know. It's just something to think about. Well,
1: so I look at the mysteries and the esoteric knowledge around the 20th century being hijacked by whoever they are, and they basically introduce the false doctrines. This is where Luciferianism is born. This is why they're Luciferian cults now. They've adopted the Satanistic churches, right? And this is why you have this false light ideology that is spread throughout them, the deceptive light ideology, okay? It's not the true meaning of what we were talking about before in the sense of how this stuff riz through mythology. Now, when we start looking at this, is if we're increasing our consciousness as we're progressing through the the galaxy and we're all becoming more attuned to this frequency and it's rising us and our consciousness and evolving us, okay, what does that mean for these people who've been in control for 8,000 years? It means they're about to lose control and power, aren't they? So wouldn't you think that it'd be a great time for them to genetically alter us once again and shut off the one gene that connects us to that third eye to that sacred knowledge
0: and how crazy would it be just saying if they use snake venom to do it just because and they're an ancient serpent cult like I'm just, the, saying, I'm, just saying, I'm just saying that's the inversion. i'm just saying yep yeah, i'm just and hey even those vaccine needles i mean look look how are they shaped snake fang well you know what's interesting they got the it's, idea go back to the the miter hat the
1: miter so Think about this. Remember, the eagle is the one who suppressed the serpent. The serpent was a good cult spreading the information. We can see different deviations of this, okay? But it was en- Enlil's cult who basically killed them. That was the cult of the eagle. The, the brotherhood of the eagle. Now the Pope wears the mitre hat, which is representative of the Acadian god, Dagon, right? The fish god. And Dagon is Enlil.
0: And- I said it. All roads lead to Rome, man
1: all roads lead the road. And so the Catholic church worships Enlil, which is the one that's destroyed the Enki serpent cult throughout time and history. Or the knowledge cults, the, the paganistic cult of knowledge, which give us this sacred information that we're telling you guys now that is our history. It's It's just how the process of the universe unfolds through natural law. Don't really need to get too much into that. But basically what they're doing, David, is they they understand that we're becoming more conscious aware? there's a great awakening happening, a spiritual revolution, a spiritual freaking golden age occurring right now. And people are waking up and they cannot stop it because in great numbers, we're more powerful than we can ever imagine. You want to talk about magic through the process of natural law? See what happened when 8 billion human beings are united under the same understanding of knowledge and the, under the same light that is illuminated within them through their creator. When their souls are all unified, we can move mountains. We can destroy any evil that steps in our path. So they have to call society back. They have to call cool us. They have to get rid of us. They have, to, they have to remove that connection to God. They have to remove, the, they have to impede that frequency once again. And that's what this virus and that's what this vaccine are all about. Because what happens, and this is another part that I think, is you have these people that are like channeling and mediumship, right? excuse me, Madame Mavosky, uh, Alistair Crawley, and this is how they get their information. You go back to the Gnostics and the Archons, and they talked a lot about this, that the Archons would possess the body. And that, so they could only influence from the shadows, which I believe are interdimensional shadows or basically some type of dimensionality that they communicated through our world. So they could never influence directly, but they could possess a human being with a... a suppressed consciousness and so basically if your consciousness was suppressed to a certain variable point that they could come into your body so think about what the trance state does is you're suppressing your consciousness your bodily functions all these things and that's when they can come in and communicate and channel with you well they realized that that was their gateway into this world the tower of babel the gate to god the gateway into this world and i think what they're actually doing is that they're suppressing that VMAT gene to make people more like animals to where their higher processes of their consciousness are suppressed so that they could possess them in some way, shape, or form. Now think about all the reports that you've heard over the last few years, and I don't believe in clones. I, I think the clone thing is a little too far out for me. But all the people wearing masks or clones or all this stuff, what if they weren't? What if they were just, something was controlling them? Think about the blue bloods. What if the blood of Rh negative blood was more receptive for these entities to come in and possess, and this is where the genetic alteration comes in with the Rh uh, positive factor that change our blood, that shut us off the destruction of the Tower of Babel, that shut us off from that gate to God, the gate to these entities that exist on a higher level, the gate to the Archons. We shut them off by genetically altering our blood, but that cut us off from our genetic lineage, our gen- genetic memory, from our connective psychic powers. I mean, there's a lot of different theories we can go with here, but I think that what's happening now is they're regenetically altering us because we're all waking up.
0: Well, and again, if anybody's sitting there going, okay, guys, this is all really interesting, but it's kind of like way out there. I'm not sure how to come to a conclusion on any of this. It's just, again... We're trying to get you into that mindset of the way these people think, right? And then also to realize that they stole the knowledge that was your birthright from you and divided humanity into a bunch of different factions fighting against each other. Because divide and conquer is how predators roll, all right? Especially interspecies predators. That's how they're gonna do it, right? Thieves, criminals, cartels, divide and conquer, compartmentalize your hierarchy. It's it's very it's a it's actually quite simple when you think about it. But when you understand how they look at you, how they look at the world, um, and that they believe that they're getting direction from otherworldly beings, mm-hmm. um, it, that's what we need to understand—is what the way they think, and the way the reason we know that is because these types of people, going all the way back to these dukes and princes and high-level masons and high-level uh, people and uh, all these different generals, even have come out and talked about this where they talk about their private worship. I mean, look at the history of these serial killers, man. What were they doing? And why were they all connected to some kind of satanic group? Who, again, those satanic churches are just low-level minions working for these high-level groups. Like, again, it's all compartmentalized. But when you've got, you know, all these documentaries hitting all over Netflix that are very interesting, some of them are really well done. I mean, there was one on there that was actually really well done. It told the story of Maury Terry, who was that journalist that covered the 44 caliber killer. And he went in and said, Oh my God, it's a big satanic network. It's connected to the Manson killings. It's connected to this. And everybody went just like they're doing. Now. Oh, he's a Maury Terry crazy conspiracy. He's just, he's a drunk. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, guys, well, <laughs> you just have to watch the symbolism they're throwing at you and your kids in all the movies and television. I mean, Disney for crying out loud. What the hell do those kind of people believe that could do that to children that could create. Mm-hmm. Cause I think Disney, is just a, like Disney, the company. Okay, uh, they've hijacked and they've taken a lot of very great stories and fairy tales and beautiful stories. And nothing. I, I'm not against. It. I'm just saying they've put a lot of crazy subliminals in there and the dark, evil stuff they've been involved with and the stories that I've heard and the stuff we're seeing now with all these CEOs getting caught with pedophilia stuff and uh, advocating for you know <laughs> all this creepy stuff in all their in all their movies. It's weird how. We look at that and we go, how do I explain all this stuff? How do I explain the evil? How do I explain the constant use of the same symbols? Whether we're talking all those serial killers I was talking, the Zodiac killer, what are we talking about here? Mm -hmm. And then you got Disney throwing symbols all over the place and stories and bringing this creepy vibe to everything. And I think they're just a big grooming cult, really, to be honest with you. Um, And then you look at the, what the media is doing and then bring in the symbols around Corona, the virus, the term virus, venom, Corona, the crown, the chakra, shutting off the mind, cutting you off, right? Like just, I'm thinking on the symbolic level, uh, just because I know that's how these people think. That's how they write. That's how they believe. They believe in ritual. They believe in the astrology dates. I mean, all the dates of the announcements of, like go look at the the astrology dates and the satanic calendar dates for what was it? I can't remember October something 2019 for the the event 201. Like yeah. th- everything they do has a meaning behind it that is beyond just oh guys we got to get some extras together to talk about how to stop pandemics. Like the people maybe attending think that because they're groomed through their colleges and schools, but the top guys are sitting there. You sit back and you start putting it together there is no coincidences with that stuff. It, no. it really is quite shocking when you get into it.
1: And, and talking about holidays, there's a pagan holiday coming up on the first called Beltrain. Beltrain is right. the, the rebirth right. through fire. And uh, we have uh Zelensky talking about nuclear war. We have NATO talking about nuclear war. And uh, I don't know, man, it just feels like they're, they're in a, pretty, uh, tough spot right now where they're, they're back against the wall NATO wants to get involved. And I think that they might do some type of false flag event in Ukraine with some type of nuclear weapon. I just got this
0: feeling. Mm. Scare event. Well, let's, um, let's pivot back, Josh. I mean, there's so much, let's pivot back to watch the water. Okay. Um, this whole theory, And I mean, so it's good. We colored all that and that stuff's just fascinating on its own. Okay. I hope you guys love that. Just dive in. There's so many nuggets in there. Re-listen and go research this stuff. Um, But so you were saying when you interviewed Dr. Artis before you got into all this, you were kind of skeptical. Obviously we were all skeptical, but then the more you see it, you start to see there's more validation that at least looks interesting, right? And more plausible those studies we brought up, I mean, they exist. Uh, ever since I started listening to these interviews, I'm going and, and looking into things that I didn't even know existed before that you can validate. And I, I appreciate it for that. So even if the whole theory turns out not to be true, mm-hmm. I'm grateful for the fact that Dr. Artist came out and just threw this at everybody and went, Hey, <laughs> here it is. And, and, and when people came out immediately on all these sides with all these opinions, like within hours of this being released, um, I think it was because I think everybody got all up in arms because of the way I think Stu Peters did the documentary, yep. uh, the whole, it got all, it, it was, it, it was weird. monetized. It was monetized. Yeah, it and and I think people just in general, you know, they don't understand, they don't think like that. So I go, okay, but you you have to be able to look through the fog. Okay. Like we don't know. And, and, and anything that's new, we always go, Oh, no way. And we're, we're super paranoid and worried and we should be very cautious about infiltrators and false news and distractions. Like everybody was saying, Oh, this whole snake venom everywhere. That's just to distract you from the John Durham drops and all this. And I'm like, well, not really. We've all just been sitting around researching COVID and the Durham thing. And the we're kind of, I'm looking at all these things at once. So I'm just curious, like a new theory came out about COVID. I'm all over. I just want to learn about it. And so I'm in that process of trying to learn. I don't know, but Damn that when I come in with what I do know, which is the symbolism, the etymology, the history, the cult, the people we're dealing with, oh my God! Don't you dare put anything past these people. Well, and there is no coincidences. I mean, it just no. How
1: how does this all fit like a glove? It just all makes a lot so much more sense. I mean, if you've been studying this stuff for like David and I for decades. And you start seeing it unraveling, and you start seeing like watch the water and and snake venom, and you're like, wait, wait a minute, this all ties together with everything I've always known and been researching pertaining to all the it's just it's mind blowing. So um uh, you know, moving back to Dr. Artis, I think he's on to something. I think it requires more investigation. Right. I think that something um, w- we ever. we can't sit here and say, this is what is happening. We know that there are some massive red flags when we start looking at these various peptides that are in feces and urine in the water supply and everybody who's COVID-19 positive, but not COVID-19 positive, they don't have them. Okay. Uh, So there's something very odd about that. And that the fact that, those peptides have a way of down regulating the ace2 receptors in the body which basically are the whole process of which your your neurological system operates and that expresses that vmat gene which is connected to your third eye i said oh my goodness this all makes 100% complete sense now basically they're trying to turn off that vmat gene for every single person on this planet because the next stage of it is look at the transhumanism i call it i don't call it transhumanism i call it dehumanization right.
0: That that makes sense. Yeah, you bring in that level. Because, yeah, that's what they want. That's what all of this is. I mean, think about it. We're getting hit with all these different things at once. But do you really believe they're all separate little issues that are all just in yeah. their little cocoons? No. Yeah. All this stuff about trans everywhere, trans, trans, trans. Well, they're talking about the transhuman, the transformation, the human 2.0. They're just starting and playing with the genders. Because, first of all, they're just trying to mess with you. And, second of all, they're creating the division. And, yeah, they they want to eliminate gender race because they're in the process of breaking down the human being with all this other stuff and then they want to rebuild man in their image after their likeness after what they believe humans should be a good little pet a good little slave that doesn't jump the fence and think for themselves and 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 we don't want too many of you so we got to knock a few of those knock a few of you guys out and i think the way they did just like the old uh you know, think of that, think of that jungle book movies. The 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 I'm gonna watch it again with Ka the snake. <laughs> like yeah. trust in me, right? The whole thing is the serpent lures you in and then numbs you with the first bite and then wraps you up and then goes to lunch whenever it wants. And there's a process of attack that is subtle. It's snake-like. Now, this doesn't mean it's so funny. The snakes get a bad. Right? Snakes are just snakes. They're products of nature. They're not evil. They're not. They're just snakes. But um, again, how do these people see it? They like the quality of the snake, the owl. The owl sees in the dark. It can do three hundred and sixty degrees. Some of them just for vision. Um, they pick all these creatures to be their symbols and their their little gods, right? Um, to because that's part of their ritual. But um, yeah, the snake thing snake venom. I mean, I just the few things that popped out to me was I was doing research on biological warfare for one of my chapters and if you dive into ancient biological warfare, you're going to see snake ves- venom and all this stuff coming up all over the place. So mm-hmm. for one of the first biological weapons, um we were told we have all these people out there telling us you've been attacked by a bi- biological weapon, a two-phased attack. One was the release of a virus, that's what they thought. Two was the cure for the virus, which is now we know remdesivir and these other drugs and these shots. When you put it all together, it kind of doesn't matter if you think it's snake venom or mRNA or whatever. There's a coordinated attack to kill a lot of people and maim and and debilitate others and keep people on a lifetime subscription to all these drugs that they're making. And it also allows them the opportunity to do the great reset. Like it just makes so much sense when you put it together. I just found it funny that people were so like aggressive in their response. Going, It couldn't be that. And I'm like, really? So you, you were cool with it being bats, but if I say it's snake, oh, we were wrong. It was snakes. You're like, no, it can't be a snake. Well, a lot of them do, David, are the same
1: people that, you know, oh, Trump, the election was stolen. Oh yeah. Q's real. And then all of a sudden I stand with Ukraine. Like it, it, it's those same people, yeah. you know, at some point you, you break down it. Well, cause you know, well, hold on. It's psychological warfare that people are under. True. Right. Yes, and right. so. Everybody is a victim of information if you allow information to control your reactions. This, this is kind of how reality works. If you allow out external influences to control your emotions and your if you react to things, you allow it to control your reactions and your emotions, you know you're being manipulated. That's really how it operates. Um you know, going back to the transhumanism thing, so if they suppress the vmat gene, basically it makes us automaatoms, right? We become kind of soulless beings in that sense. And then exactly. what do they do? They put us into the virtual reality. Remember how the Archons dominated the people of the ancient world through virtual reality? What is the parent, What is Facebook's company called Meta? Oh, you remember the Travis Scott stuff, the whole eight symbology? The eight is the um, analemma symbol of the sun's transit, the moon's transit, the solar system's transit through the galaxy. The eight represents beyond God. Okay, they want to put us into the metaverse. First, what they do is they suppress that consciousness, and then they put us into the metaverse because then they control the information, which allows us to react to them, where they become, in a sense, God. And that's exactly what it is. This is what this whole trans movement is all about. It's dehumanization, removing the soul from the human being, so that they can rule, dominate, and dictate over us. Because right now we are in an evolutionary period of consciousness. And if they don't stop us, we rule them.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. The way you said that triggered me in a good way. Dehumanization. What did they just do to you for two years? Without the vaccines, without the anything. They told you, cover your face. Now you look around, you're like, uh, people come up to me with masks on. They're like, Dave, Dave, how's it going, man? I'm like, sorry, who are you? I don't even know who you are. I can't see your face, right? Dehumanization of the fact that you've been showing, there's kids that have been born in this time that the first thing they've woke up to see was a whole bunch of people looking at them with their faces covered, right? That's the first experience of life. Uh, All the children. uh, So dehumanization, the separation of humanity saying six feet apart, walk the arrows, go through the stalls, only this way, fiberglass. I got to Go to the, I went to the store today. They still got those big fiberglass things in there. And I'm like, yeah, I need the thing. And they, they're like, what? Like, I need the, I need the receipt. I need a bed. And you can't talk to people. Uh, now they divided everybody. So you know, anybody that speaks against the COVID gods, you are not to be talked to. Um, so the separation, the, the, the level of dehumanization that we just went through, uh, putting aside all the other ways we've been dehumanized for a long period of time, um, is not mind blowing. What we're telling is that this was, so this was a psychological social thing, but then also this was a biological attack as well to dehumanize is what you're saying.
1: Yeah. It was social engineering to a T through psychological warfare. Now, are you familiar with the bite model of cult mind control?
0: The bite model?
1: B I T E method, um, is the bite model of cult mind control. So I've never uh, heard of that. Dr. Stephen, Yep, B-I-T-E. Wow. Well, well, let me get into it. Dr. Stephen Hansen's book, Combating Cult Mind Control, talks about the BITE method. BITE is an acronym. It stands for Behavior, Information, Thought, and Emotion. Now listen to this and then think of the cult that has done this for the last few years. I know you're going to love this. Behavior control has to do primarily with restricting and controlling the physical movements of a human being. Information control, successfully brainwashing people's uh, necessitates that they don't have access to information that is contrary to the teachings of the cult. In a general sense, this means deliberately withholding information from the cult members, distorting the information so that it's more in keeping with the ethos of the cult and systematically lying to cult members. Fault. Thought. Well, behavior control and information control are methods of control imposed on the cult itself. Thought control is where the members start to internalize the teachings of the cult and impose it on themselves. Uh, A huge part is... uh, of getting people to think the way you want is to stop them from thinking in contrary ways. Uh, not only that, is cults often encourage thought-stopping techniques, meaning techniques that shut down the process of questioning. Activities like chanting, speaking in tongues, singing, humming, dancing, praying uh, become substitutes for questioning when reality encouraging people to never allow negative thoughts into their mind. Emotional control. In a similar way, of how cults teach certain thoughts are bad, they also teach their members that they must do away with certain emotions. Emotions like restlessness, doubt, homesickness, anger can cause cult members dissent, and so cults do everything in their power to eliminate those emotions from the members. The primary way cults control people's emotions is through fear. That was the whole COVID pandemic, right there.
0: That's you really, are. Can you send that shit? That is amazing yeah. the way it's written, and it's the acronym is BITE.
1: <laughs> how and you can, yeah, and there you go. And the acronym is BITE. And you could literally correlate every single one of those steps of the BITE method to everything that is happening. Restricting humans' movements. Hmm. Emotional. Promulgating fear. Informa- uh, thought. Thought.
0: Think yeah, Getting about rid this. of dissent. Any, no. any contrary opinion. Yeah.
1: How about this? How about the thought aspect of this? Right. Put in your mask. You need to wear your mask. Controlling their thoughts to basically go against anybody who imposes the thoughts of the cult. People who stand up and tell you, oh, you need your mask in here. You need to do that. No, no. You need to do it this way, right? That's thought control, information control. Think about all the suppression you we have. Yeah. Censorship, everything. It's all right there. We're dealing with a freaking cult. The cult That's
0: right. Panic. That's my thing. <laughs> it's the cult of the medics trying to create the slave matrix. There you go. It works together. It is. Dude. Um, wow. Okay. Hey, I, we were pretty good. I mean, it's up to you. You want to go longer? You want to wrap it up? How are you feeling right now? I'm I'm game for whatever you want to do.
1: I'm good. Where do you want to take it?
0: Go a little bit we'll more. Little okay. Bit, yeah, we'll How's everybody in the chat? Are you guys still awake? I mean, I'm in Pacific Time, so it's only it's only It's almost 11 there. It's only 11 for me, so I feel bad yeah. if you're somewhere else in the world, but <laughs> we're going. You can watch the archive. I can't um, get enough. Can't get enough. Well, I'm just trying to think, what else did I pull up here? Um there was so snake worship, one of the old, yeah, ancient Mesopotamia, United Arab Emirates, it's in Judaism, Gnosticism, African cultures, uh, Egyptian cultures, North American cultures, um, Mesoamerica, South America, Asia, China, look at the serpent, dragons, what's a dragon? It's just a flying serpent, right? Um, Japan, this is ubiquitous, right? I mean, a David Icke is going to tell you, well, it's because it's the reptilians, right? But um, either way, man, I think all of us, if you put everybody together, if you zoom out, I try to do this because you'll see a lot of these scholars, they get really hardened into their thing, right? Which is good. You, you want them. You want that guy. It'd be like in martial arts. I want to go to that karate guy who's like the best bow staff guy in the world. I'm going to go to that expert and he's going to tell me, oh, all those other weapons are shit. You need to train <laughs> the bow. The bow is the best right. weapon. And I'm going to be like, hey, I want to be Donatello. I'm going to do the bow with you, but then I'm going to go talk to the the guy that does the size, and he's going to be like, nah, that bow guy, he ain't shit. Wait till I show you the size stuff. Like, that's how it is, and you kind of need it like that, okay? But it is up to the student of knowledge to be able to go to the teachers of these different capsules of knowledge, and that you have to be able to zoom it out and put it all together like a puzzle. That's Mm -hmm. That's If you're a student of knowledge, if you don't want to be in a cult, okay. if you don't want to become a victim of being in a cult and being indoctrinated by one voice, then this is how you stop that. This is the antidote to it, is that you think like this. You go, I'm going to go learn what Dr. Artis has to say, even if I don't agree with some of it, if I don't like certain things he said or, or whatever, or I have a problem with his medical du- or whatever it is. But I will look at something that he brought out that nobody was talking about And that now a lot of people are really starting to think about and go, okay, I think he's got something here. Even Zev Zev Zelenko is like, there's different people coming out going, you know what, I think he's got something. Judy Mikevitz, uh, you know. So anyways, then you go, all right, I'm going to go learn from this teacher over here about something. Mm -hmm. And that is what we're doing. So this this should hopefully, um, if you think like that, you're not going to feel, oh, should I start talking about the snake venom thing? Because then all the people that think that's a psyop are going to hate me. Or if I, should I speak against the snake venom thing because all the people that believe in it are going to hate me? Don't live there. Don't live in that place, okay? Or if I have a Ukrainian flag, those people will like me. If I have a Canadian flag, those people will like me, but those people will, Get out of that. Just learn from all these things and make yourself... What do you think? You're on a quest of knowledge. Don't let the pressure of all these other little camps push you away. The real thinker zooms out at all times and goes... I want to see it all. I want to learn from it all. And I want to synthesize it and try to find out what the truth is. And if I see something new at any state st- uh, point in time, I'm going to adjust as I need to. You know what I mean? Yep. And, and, you know, we have a motto at the Red Pill Project. Excuse me.
1: And uh, I came up with this after, you know, I I've been studying this stuff for a long time. And I trust nobody. I trust David, but I trust nobody else. And it really comes down to this is never believe anything anybody tells you, no matter who they are or what authority they possess or profess, unless you can prove it yourself through your own volition, through your own understanding and through your own experiences. And that's really what it comes down to is that. In, uh, in Hermeticism, we have something known as natural law, and this is kind of like the foundational aspect of ritualistic magic, or just magic in general, what magic is. Magic is basically the ability of your consciousness to influence your reality to your own benefit. Um, there's a law out there called the law of cause and effect, and you can either live in the realm of causation, or you can live in the realm of effect. And you have to look at this in the perspective that this law is operating, but you can be an existent of that law. There's a dualistic tendency, right? And for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. The way I explain the realm of effect, if you live in the realm of effect, is uh, what people who get a paycheck from their job is you. Your paycheck is nothing more than a bribe to forget about your dreams and work for somebody else's. Why? Because you go to work, you take orders from somebody that do a job. You spend your time, sacrificing your time to do those things to earn them. Their dreams and their desires, the owner of the company. That's your bribe to do that. Okay, that's the realm of effect. Same thing in the sense of going on social media and going, oh, that poor puppy. You're reacting to the environment, an algorithm on social media that is trying to sway your emotions into a certain way. We call micro emotional stimulants
0: the way these things mm-hmm. work. This is You're big, st- by the way, people yeah. listening. This is big. And I think it's influencing a lot of all these discussions is social media is a huge part of that. The algorithms. Yep.
1: And the algorithms, basically, they work, the way they work is they work in the realm of, of effect. And so they understand that if I put certain things in your feed, okay, you get something known as micro emotional stimulants. They subliminally come in and you don't even notice them words yeah. symbols pictures they come in and they start saturating your subconscious emotional system right to the point where and they algorithms got these things timed out to a T to where those micro emotions develop to a point of saturation where you're emotionally overloaded you don't know why you're stressed you don't know why you're you're like man I just feel off today then all of a sudden that ad will pop up saying click here feeling off today
0: Here's That's some how they blue operate. and yellow sun and blue sky symbolism to, to make
1: you take feel this pill for that ill. This is how they do it. And this is how yep. marketing is operating for a very long time in a subliminal context with these micro emotional stimulants saturating your emotional system to the point where you click on something for relief, okay? This is the same way that they utilize for information, uh, propaganda, disinformation, and so forth, is they feed you this, this guise of bullshit information and you react emotionally to it. And that's why I say yep. never believe anything anybody says unless you can prove it. So that means that what I tell all my listeners on the Red Pill Project is, Any information that comes into you, stop, do not believe it for one moment. Even if it's me telling you,
2: look at it with
1: a hyper critical analysis, huh? Is this information trying to get me to react emotionally to it? Yes or no. First thing that you ask, is this information trying to get me to do something to benefit them? Second question you ask, right? And look at all information in this context. When you start doing that ritually every day, it's incredibly hard to fool you. It's incredibly hard to basically manipulate you in any way, shape, or form. It does happen, don't get me wrong, because we trust certain people. We have this unwavered trust for certain people. But the context here is that if you live in the realm of causation, How is this different? Well, it actually goes into the esoteric and the exoteric. The realm of effect is the exoteric, influenced through your environment where the land of the esoteric is, where you influence reality through your internal motivations. And this comes about through the process of magic, attention, intention, with understanding that my thoughts, my imagination can create a desire that attaches an emotion and attention to it. And then I formulate that into action. And not only just action with my my hands, by manipulating my environment, there's ter- three levels of influence in your reality. There's a primary level. Wow, I just created waves in the universe. A secondary level, I can whisper in something's ear and they can go out and create waves in the universe for me, which benefit me or don't benefit me. And a tertiary way is that the universe is in a, current feedback loop with you always continuously every day. And it's always feeding you energy. Whenever you're exalting energy out, it's giving you energy back. If you're giving energy to it, right, you're getting into a deficiency of energy. The universe is going to continuously move things around to make things happen to you because this is the, what we call, uh, we call the principle of exchange is the universe is built on the process of energy exchange. We develop relationships. The atoms develop relationships with other atoms. And they're all in a process of exchange where energy travels from one state to another state. And this transmutes those states into what we call an emergent phenomena or an emergent effect. And when you do this in your reality for how you go about in your mind and you create a vision, a desire for what you want in the world, you can take that into context and you can, you can attach that vibration to words. You can put it out into the ether of the universe and the universe will begin to react with it. You can actually go out there and do action and the universe will react to it because every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Now, magic back in the ancient days was nothing more than knowing the exact words to say to influence the universe to react in a certain way. That's, that's all it is. is if I it's could, just frequency.
0: It's just vibration. Yeah, it's, it's just, just vibration. It's, yeah, Exactly.
1: So a spell in the ancient days was a string or a series of words said in a certain way with a desired intention derived from imagination that would influence the reality to react in a certain way that benefits you. That's magic. And people get really good at this. They can move mountains. They can do a lot of interesting things. They can create reality, literally. But so that's higher level stuff when you start getting the understanding how consciousness operates on a uh, a more... Uh, esoteric level but so when we understand that this process that we can create our own reality this is the realm of effect this is the realm of the magicians in the sense where i can attach a certain vibrational context of my imagination directly to my words and when i put them out there they vibrate and resonate with somebody in their own mind they go oh my god i I like this guy oh i'm I'm gonna go do this or i'm gonna share this information and that comes back and provides me benefit in some way shape before i get more subscribers or whatever but this is uh, also called what is it nlp not a neurolinguistic linguistic program yeah all, all that is is taking an intentional desire a vibration of a thought which has no mass and no energy attaching it to words or attaching it to feeling emotion which projects outside of your body and attaches to other people's bodies and relates messaging, that's ESP and stuff, right? Or I can do it with my arms and through action, or I can do it through symbolic relationship. It doesn't really matter. But I can translate messages of my desires, how I want to influence reality directly through what I do in my life. And so once we start understanding this, now think about people who continuously react to their environment. They're As, reacting- so
0: You're talking, this would be a good thing to insert the, the meme where it says- I stand for the current thing. I am reacting to the information yeah. that pinged my emotional centers. I therefore have a Ukrainian flag and a Black Lives Matter sticker and a the you know, climate cult thing. Like They're all going for the same stories because those stories were crafted in the exact way that you just described. That's it. And so when people continuously react
1: to their environment, they're reacting to someone else's
0: causation. There you go. Yeah. And that's the game. They want you. That's they want your S they want, because they know you can help them build their brand. You can help them build their great reset. You can help them build anything because if you, if they can attract your consciousness into their little world, they've got you. Now, again, this is just knowledge. Uh, it doesn't mean if you're selling something, you can't advertise, you can't utilize in you know ways that you, it's just, what we need to know is that this attack that's been done to us and now we've got our freedom at stake, our humanity at stake, our world at stake, our countries are at stake. It got there, not just because some people, you know, released a virus or uh, flew some planes or detonated bombs in the World Trade Centers. A lot of that was part of the movie blockbuster film. Like those things happen, but it was on the consciousness level Then they layered all the symbolism and the color, light and sound and the frequency and everything else to guide you and corral you into their, the mode of thinking that they want. Mm -hmm. Now, when they brought up the level of the algorithm technology and the social media technology and all of this, it gave them a whole new toolkit to work with that they didn't have before when they just had radios in the living room. You know what I mean? Newspapers. Yeah. Oh, newspapers, radios. Now here we are. Everybody's got these little devices. Soon they're going to implant them right in your head. So you know that that's why this information that Josh is telling you about the process of real magic, or the process of awakening, or the process of thinking with reason, and making sure you don't just trust blindly, and you train yourself to uh, watch your emotions, nurture them, but. Not let them run everything amok. Keep that logic strong and vet everything. Basically asking you to participate in this process instead of just sitting back and receiving information all of the time. There's a a time for that, uh, but you have to be able to act on it. Like if I'm in a dojo and, and I'm just sitting there learning all the time, but I don't actually get up to do what I've been learning. I'm not going anywhere. I might know how to talk about the thing I'm learning, but I can't actually do it. So we have to take this knowledge and be active with it. So Josh, real quick, um, and then I want to talk to you about Twitter for a sec. But Before that, what do you suggest for people right now that are, uh, first of all, do you have any, I know you're not a doctor or anything like that, but do you have any suggestions for people that are very concerned because everybody's asking, what do I do? Whether it's snake venom or whatever it is that people got injected that I know. Have you heard of any, you've been interviewing a lot of people. Have you heard of any good detoxes or things that people have been saying, this actually does work, even if you've got these jabs? Um, Let's just start with that, and then I have a follow-up.
1: Well, I'm not a doctor, and I can't give medical advice. We all know (laughs) this, but uh, apparently from everybody that was talking, um, there's Dr. Artis on that documentary. He actually gave everything that you need. Right. He actually talks about the different things that you should have in, in your supplement. He, he sells them. I'm not going to lie. He sells them, but he says you can go find them anywhere. But also hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin both help. Isn't that
0: interesting? Right. right. And those were the censored medications, right? And, yeah. and also the fact that it, it turns out that all these other doctors, even if they're seeing it the way he sees it or not, what they've been saying works for them these monoclonal antibodies, the vitamin CD, this, the different, the ivermectin all that, um, that what they were doing was they were giving people the right information. And there's a reason that became very censored information, which Mm -hmm. adds a whole other level of evil to this, by the way. Um, but okay. So yeah, there's lots of other experts out there. Go check out Josh's interviews with, you've interviewed tons of doctors. I've interviewed tons of doctors. We're trying to get this information. I know it's like everybody's pressing question is, uh, but you know, we all did try to warn everybody, but here we are. We got to try to fix what we've got. The next thing is, what do you say for people that are feeling that level of confusion uh, with all this stuff? It's been a crazy—I would say two years, but we could make it like the last six years specifically have been a freaking whirlwind roller coaster. And there's so much information flying around. There are so many new people just showing up, and they've got these big channels, and they're influencing people and. I can see why people are having trust issues, right? Um, What's your recommendation for helping people with confusion when it comes to how do they find out who to listen to, what information is good, the vetting process? Like, it's almost a continuation from what you were just saying. But any more points on that to help people that are feeling really confused with all this information flying at them? Never believe anything. Anybody tells you, no matter
1: who they are, <laughs> unless you can prove it with your own research, through your own volition and your own experiences. Uh, and really what I would do is um, you have to know yourself, man. You have to know. You, you, you have to have a practice of knowing yourself. Tementenosis or ipsum tenosis, however you want to look at it in the Latin phrase that Socrates, Socrates talked about. Um, you have to trust in yourself. You have to believe in yourself. You have to have this, uh, you know, everybody has this desire to know things, to go out into the world and learn and understand things. But the only way that you can learn or understand things is through the process of knowing yourself. We've talked about this, is I can't be inside David's brain. I can't experience David's life or, or any of these things. What I can do is things that David says and does resonate within me, but it can only resonate at a level that I know myself. So I can right. only, if I know myself in a certain degree, those is, are the things that David, when David talks to me, that resonate within me. So I can only know David as well as I know myself. The same thing with David. He can only know me as well as he knows himself, okay? And so this goes for all things in life. You can only understand a subject, a topic, as well as you know yourself. And so self-knowingness, uh, the, the discovery of the self, the understanding of the self, is so critically important. This is like kind of the, the aspect of the mysteries of the mystery. It's a great work, the development of the self. And this also goes to your relationship with God. Why? Because you cannot know God unless you know yourself. You can only know God through the level at which you know yourself. You can never know God more than you know yourself. And so what I ask people to do is make it a practice, a, a ritual, a routine. To go out there and try to learn as much as possible about who you are. Ask yourself those tough questions. What do I represent? I asked my son today. I said, "Who are you?" And he goes, "Well, I'm a gamer, and I don't step on the grass." Like I guess gamers don't step on the grass. And I said, "No, no, no, no. What are your attributes? Do you do you, <laughs> yeah, right? Do you, do you love? Do you have kindness. All these things. Now." If you go into this, David, you know, it's interesting. Most of the time I ask people this question, be like, well, you know, I'm a college graduate. Uh, You know, I've been working in pharmacology for 25 years and I'm married. I've been married for 20 years. But they identify themselves of things of the past. They always identify themselves with things of the past. And here's the thing. Einstein said doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results is the definition of insanity. So if you identify yourself as accomplishments and failures of your past, that means that you're still doing those processes, which brought about those pro- those accomplishments and successes and failures, which means that you haven't changed. You're not becoming anything new and you're identifying with the old person, which you were. It's like looking in a car, driving down the road and always continuously looking in the rear of your mirror you're, you're wondering who you or You're wondering who you are today is wondering what you were, right? You're not focusing on who you're becoming. And so I've always said that if you, um, Hypothetically speaking, as you fast forward your life and you pass away, and let's say that the, the Christian religion is right, and you go through the pearly gates of St. Peter's, and you know, you see God sitting up there on his throne, and he's sitting there waiting for you, and he's all getting ready to judge you. And you walk up to God and you go, Hi, God, you know, and you see someone standing next to God, and he's like, You're like, Who who's that? It looks a lot like me, but it's not me. And God says, Well, this is my image of you. This is who I created you to be. This is the person that went and lived that life, went through all the obstacles, all the opportunities. They did all the hard processes. They had the big car. They, or they had the nice car, the big house. They had the great family. They, they did everything that they ever wanted to do because that was the image that I made you in. And I asked people, are you that person that God made you to be? Are you being that person that God optimized you to be? And if the answer is no, then stop looking at yourself in the image of who you were and start looking at yourself in the image of who you want to become. Start identifying yourself as who you are becoming, not who you were.
0: That's brilliant. I love that. That's a good analogy. And we've been talking about this a lot on Unslaved too, about the path of becoming heroic, like mm-hmm. activating the inner hero, the hero's journey. It's, it's yep. the journey you were destined to be on. This is why we're here in this world. What if you looked at your purpose in life as not just growing up, getting a job, paying a mortgage, having kids, having a family, hopefully having a little bit of fun, and then just dying one day. Like, what if you looked at your life as you came here with a mission, but you got to choose to accept it first. And you came here in this time to affect change in this world. Mm -hmm. And you might think, oh, I'm just one person. What can I do? But man, like, look, if everybody thought like that, nobody would become the hero and nobody would actually do anything.
1: John Kennedy, John Lennon, Martin Luther King Jr. everybody.
0: (laughs) Like God, we could go on and on. All the people we learned from all the going back to the ancients, right? Individual people that decided to become that and use that as a path and live life and, and brought, you know, it's the details. There's something even in the Japanese system, you know, when you look at the ancient, uh, I look at the samurai traditions and the, the, uh, the Shinto even a bit. And some of the, the, what it is, is one thing I liked about it. And you'll see this in the martial arts is that strong attention to small, very, very tiny details. Like, you know, you'd go to a, I'd go to some of these martial art conventions. You, you get the opportunity once in a blue moon to train with an actual Japanese master with like lineage, you know, like crazy. And yeah. he's like showing you how to just like, do a sword strike. You got like a like wooden bokeen. You're like, ah, I do this in the garage all the time. I could, and he's sitting there, and you're trying to hit. Like you're just going over and over again, and he's walking. I was like, no, no, no. And you're like, why are you telling me no? I mean, I, I'm I'm doing it right. I would totally destroy someone with this strike, and they're like, no, no, your wrist. And he comes and he doesn't correct these big things. He corrects like your thumb, like just yeah. a little. And then like your pinky finger and then your shoulders up too high and then your chin is too... It's little details. And the reason they do this is obviously to perfect the art. But remember, they believed, the true martial art tradition believed that you were perfecting yourself through the art. So that the amount of detail that you pay to that sword strike has nothing to do with be able to chop somebody in half. Well, yeah. I guess on a practical level. Um, but it, it's more to do with Have you used your, have you aligned your true soul essence, your mind essence and your body essence behind that sword strike? So if I just hand you a stick and go break that thing, you'll just go boom. But then I tell you, okay, now put your mind, your body and your spirit into perfect precision all at once and then hit that sword strike.
1: (laughs) That's why the samurai said the sword's the extension of your mind. The, the sword is the
0: soul. The sword is your soul, they said. That's what it was. It's the katana is your soul. So that's why every sword you had to inherit or they custom made it for you, right? Because okay. the blade is tampered. Man, we could do this forever. But I just want to bring that in the detailed look because, and then look at the bonsai tree thing with, you know, Mr. Miyagi. What was that yep. all about? That lesson. That movie's beautiful for showing a very unique way of teaching. Um, of not teaching directly. You notice Mr. Miyagi's style. You didn't teach Daniel San directly. Like when you go into an MMA gym, he's like, here's a jab, throw 10 jabs and then do the cross 10 times and then 10 pushups. He didn't do that. That's what Daniel San was expecting. He was like, here, let's, let's snip some bonsai trees for a while. Yep. He's like, is this what we're doing? Oh, by the way, I got some fences you got to paint. It's going to, you got to do both sides. I'll see it in like two days. And he's like, that's training. But what he was teaching him the whole time was how to put him his whole self into one activity and learn that detail oriented understanding and then of course the movements he was training him subconsciously right, right? that was the whole theory uh, whether it all West works the fence, or not Daniel. Works out, <laughs> yeah whether it all but there, it is effective car. it is effective fence. and i'm bringing that up because you can use that little thing about just noticing those details like when i look out i actually focus my mind i get up in the morning I look at that beautiful Japanese maple tree I have in the front or one of these trees and I try to not just look at it and go, hmm, nice tree and walk away. I look into it. I hmm. look at the dew on the leaves in the morning. I look at it at different times of day. I just quickly We were, we were my talking head at about this last night. Oh, were you? Yeah, it's, it's amazing what that does for your psychology, by the way, to yeah. ease and calm you, by the way. Yeah. It, it, well,
1: it, and actually, this
0: is this is the perfect example right here of what you're talking about.
1: I, I want to tell people this, okay? Um, we were talking about flowers last night. I said, you know, if you have your reality and you just go out and you see flowers and you just walk by them and you ignore them, you know, you're just going to see a flower, right? How do you identify the flower? How do you define the flower? Well, flowers are flower. It grows, it spurts, it dies, right? It, it smells good occasionally. But what if you got down there? got on the ground and you looked at the flower, flower, you observed it, you looked at its green stem, you looked at the little hairs that come off of the green stem, you look at the the, the leaves of the dandelion, all the different petals of the dandelion, and you smelled it, you understood it, and you kind of developed a relationship with the dandelion. This is a beautiful thing. You have to redefine aspects of your reality. You have to look at things in your reality and develop a relationship with to truly define what they are. You know, you can talk to someone forever, but instead, if you actually sit down and have a discussion with them and learn about them, you delve into the definition of who you believe they are. It changes everything about your reality and that relationship. Now, about the darkness. There's a lot of people going through some severe, dark times right now. And I understand because we're going through some really incredible times. This is an amazing time to be alive, but it's incredibly dark and it's painful. And I know pain is hard. And pain's like this narrowing of your life, right? Depression or whatever it might be. is Everything gets tunnel vision in the sense of your emotions. So there's really no way out of this tunnel. But I want you to think for a moment of the seed. I want you to think for a moment of the seed of that dandelion that is underneath the ground. Underneath the ground, it is cold. It's concentrated into the into small little shape. It's, it's very, very uh, crowded in this area. It's surrounded by the darkness of the soil. But little by little, that seed sprouts, and it begins to move its way up through that darkness, through a very, very narrow channel, until it, eventually it pops out of the ground and begins to blossom. And so everybody out there that's going through that very narrow channel of darkness, of depression, or whatever it might be, understand as long as you keep pressing forward and know and believe in yourself, you're going to pop through into a world of brightness, a world of light.
0: That was beautiful, man. <laughs> oh, Thanks. That was good. Yeah. Like, And I know, guys, I know some of this might just sound cliche, but think about it. If you're feeling depressed, it's because you're no longer turned on by life. Like right? yep. you need something you need the false light to turn you on. What's the next film coming out on Netflix? What's the this and that? What uh, like absorb yourself in the in everybody else's life and in all the even this research can take you away from your life. You either yeah. make it a part of your life or it can actually I've seen people go the wrong way with this stuff, right? But what you do is you find you have this ability if you learn how to become more observant of what you just said. The next time you see a dandelion or the next yeah. time you see a flower or a tree what did it have to go there to be there in that moment with you? And what can it teach you? And what can it show you? And what are you experiencing in his presence? Because I'll tell you what, Josh, you and I could go look at the same tree together at the same time, and you are going to have a different experience than I am because I'm the author of that experience, as are you, even though we're seeing the objective, same thing. And so the reason I tell people this stuff when you're dealing with high stress or you recovering. I, this is really a lot of uh, good therapy idea uh, ideas for PTSD and, and things like that, which I think a lot of people actually have because of what's happened, and I don't blame them for it. We need to heal people on the psyche at, right now, yeah. and and I'm everybody's thinking what kind of medication, well, not everybody, but a lot of people jump to what's the 12-step program, what's the medication they need to be on. You need to learn to look at things with the, with those details, like those small details, because I feel like I know it seems simple, but I was even looking at the ocean today and just noticing the waves of the ocean. And I took a moment to step out and just notice the sun is reflecting off the ocean and those ripples of light on the surface of the water. I know it's the, the Maya, but it's still beautiful because it's nature and you sit there and your brain receptors and your eyes, that's actually a very calming, therapeutic thing is to just watch water. So watch the water doesn't have to be negative guys. Okay. I was watching water today and I was getting solar activation. I was getting like, like just, I felt so good after that. And I just sat there for five minutes and it seems so, oh, that's not a solution, Dave, but I'm telling you, build it in. Just stop for a minute. Stop out of your pattern of going to do the dishes and then get the kids lunch together and then get in the car and then come back and then turn on a podcast and then learn about the thing. And I don't know if I believe doctor, I don't know. Get out of that for a second and just go look at a fricking tree for a minute. Go watch the water outside, but watch it from bring consciousness with you and bring the details of the detail oriented nature of your mind to go. I want to look at the subtleties of it. And what happens is there's a connection that gets formed and it mm-hmm. activates something in you. And we've been so turned away from even just the simplest experiences that we used to love that we got to start from the beginning again with simple little shit like this of like looking at it and and trimming a bonsai tree, wax on, wax off, whatever you got to do, but start with that. And then also watch out who you're listening to the way they're delivering information. Um, I like talking to you, Josh, because no matter what subject we're talking about, uh, we could be talking about like underground bases or some shit like and you will still be happy and excited and energetic and communicating it and then bringing layers into it and it, like i find that is a, a a better type of person to listen to than the guy that's just fear doom and gloom black pillar it's all hopeless there's all gonna die like get away from those people if you can uh, listen to people that are gonna tell you what's going on but there's a different vibration of the way that that information is being uh relayed. Final question, Josh. Yeah. Twitter, Elon Musk, I is he it. good or bad? He's kind of growing on me. I got to be honest. He's Elon.
1: Um, <laughs> he's a highly intelligent human being, probably mm-hmm. one of the most uh, intelligent on the planet. Um, I wrote a uh, an article on my Substack. So my Substack, redpillproject.substack.com. Um, and the article was Is Twitter the next serious XM? Interesting. Oh, think about this. Mm. Elon owns Starlink, as well as something that people don't know about, StarCloud, which isn't out yet. Um, In order to test the Internet connectivity from space to ground, you need high throughput of data. The only way really to do that these days is to test something that has massive load bearing of information being translated back and forth. Okay, Social media would be a really good one to do that. So the idea here, and I put this in my blog, is I said, Elon most likely is going to come out. Oh, this is before all this happened, by the way. That Elon is going to come out and probably try to buy Twitter. And when he denies the board position, he'll try try to do a full buyout and take it private. Why? Because what he'll do is he'll house all of Twitter in space on a star cloud server. He'll house the whole social network in, in space. OK, and then basically everybody has to go through his satellites in order to communicate on Twitter. It'll be the first space based social network. So everybody's going to want to be in on it. But it also basically does this is once you realize that you can have free Internet through Elon Musk Starlink, all the ISPs and internet service providers and cell phone companies in the world go out of business almost overnight. He gets a monopoly over everything. Hmm. So Sirius XM, what did they do? They took radio to the satellites, right? And then brought in people kind of like what uh, they brought in Howard Stern and so forth. And they made billions off of doing that, basically a private Internet or a private radio. And so if you understand where things are headed in the sense of decentralization, cryptocurrency, blockchain, the metaverse. We're moving away from Web 2.0, which is basically big tech in control of everything that you see and control of all data and information. The largest platform of the Internet is not the websites; It's the marketing platform and the spy platform that operates on the backdrop. You got to remember, Google, Facebook and Twitter all had DoD contracts and the DoD integrated this massive algorithmic platform in the backdrop that actually collects all your data day in and day out. That's the biggest portion, and they utilize the aggregation of that data for marketing. What we're going to see here in the future when – so metaverse, think two aspects, centralization and decentralization. If we have a centralized metaverse, which is coming about through the World Economic Forum, the banks, the big conglomerates, we're all screwed. If we keep it decentralized, what you're going to find is a la carte internets. What do I mean by that? Is Think about an internet that you can access anywhere in the world through a password. And you go in there and it's only the websites that are hosted on that internet that you can access, but it's all the ones that you want. So it's like going to Red Pills TV and being able to see whatever podcast that you want to see on there or going to Rockfin and only those podcasts are on there. That's a private intranet, right? But now think more data and information and games and movies and streaming and all these different things and social networks on this private network that it becomes private. So therefore, they don't have to listen to the government. They don't have to listen to all these other places. They can do whatever they want on there. They can have whatever content they want on there. And so the world of the future is going to be one of privatized, decentralized internets. Decentralized means that you and me actually host it on our computers, that we can shut the whole thing down if we don't like what they're doing just by turning our computers off. Okay. Now, decentralization also goes into the aspect of what Elon Musk is going to do. He's going to decentralize the internet into space. Right? He's going to put it up in space, so therefore the government can't control it. They can't physically go out there and remove the servers. The signal can be broadcast any, uh, anywhere in the world, at least in that hemisphere, from that point in space. You can't cut the transmission lines. You can't interfere with the, the, the towers. Nope, it's transmitted directly to your phone from a satellite-based uh, distribution center. This is revolutionary to understand, especially when we start moving towards a decentralized private Internet community. And this is the parallel economy, which is being set up. And Elon Musk is leading the way. Now, I believe Elon Musk, uh, you remember John Coleman's committee of 300? Yeah. I think now we're at a more about committee of 2000.
0: Yeah, I that, call that this.
1: I yeah, I call it the multiple he- um, heads of the Hydra. Right. So all these people are in ruling and in control of the world through different multinational aspects, philanthropies, money laundering schemes, cr- criminal syndicates, whatever it might be.
0: Investment firms.
1: Investment firms. But they don't like each other. They all have a vision for what the world should or could be, and they're all implementing their own agenda. This is why Russia and China are basically formulating what we would call a multinationalist New World Order, other than a multi or not a multi no sorry a nation state new world order other than the multinationalist new world order which is totalitarian techno fascist that the world economic forum and those cronies the Bilderbergers want Russia and China are like no, we're gonna have a nation state derived new world order and that's why they're so pissed off at Putin and Russia about all this and that's why the NATO is trying to get involved in there to take Putin out so that we don't have a nation state derived new world order we have a multinationalist technocratic Freaking totalitarian state, New World Order. Okay. So, this right now is a war of the roses. These multiple heads of the Hydra are fighting each other. Um, Elon sits at this table. And Elon is playing chess. And Elon's just making small, little moves over time. And I think that's what Trump and his group are doing. I think Trump sits at this table, too, now, after 2016. And he's just making small, little moves at the table, and I think that they have a lot of backing um, at this table. I think that the people that we're seeing creating these atrocities in the world—they're a very, very old, small percentage of the people that actually sit at this table. These are the ancient secret societies, the ancient cults. These are the monarchies, the royal bloodlines. These are the—you know—the ones that kept it in the family for thousands of years. That's who these people are. Um, And I think that right now their grasp on power is dwindling and fading. And this is why they're going all in right now with everything that we see unfolding. But here's the problem with going all in right now is the world is also waking up at the same time because I believe other people at the table like Elon and Trump are helping pervade this information, get this information out there to the world that that brings about the Great Awakening to the point where when they're all the cards are on the table. Everybody in the world becomes vulnerable. So, right now we know that they have to bring the whole world down to its knees: the economy, the political system, militaristically, and so the whole world's going to collapse almost overnight. But guess what? They become vulnerable at the same point. So whoever is in that position above that vulnerability wins, and that's what everybody is moving towards right now in that global center. They're all moving to be in that advantage point above the vulnerability to take the other ones out when it all happens. The Great Reset is going to happen. There's there's nothing you can do to stop it. It's going to happen. But the question is, are you going to have a world economic... Um, a world economic form derived Bilderberg-derived, um, techno-fascist totalitarian new world order, or are you going to have a nation-state-derived new world order where states, uh, countries retain their individual sovereignty and the people are sponsored above the? interest of just a small few. That's really the question that we're talking about right now. And I think that that is where everything is moving to. And I think that there's people that sit at this table that are fighting for you and me. They're fighting for our freedom. They're fighting for our sovereignty because they understand that if these sickos win, they lose their freedom. They lose their sovereignty. I mean, I think the Putin equation. There is no place for Vladimir Putin and the Russian people in the New World Order of the Bilderbergers. There's that's no right. place for Xi Jinping and the Chinese people in the mind of the Bilderbergers. Everybody would be under control of a board of directors, multinationalists who are unelected, who sit there with complete totalitarian authority over the world. No country, no nation state wants that except for Joe Biden because he had to sell his soul to get where he was today. So Xi and all Jinping, the other
0: all yep, your guys, sir. your got you know your Trudos, your macrons, your they're all they're all just puppets for these people
1: that's right. And so basically what you're seeing right now is you're seeing people stand up against them because they understand that what I call the precipice or the point of vulnerability is coming to when the people will fight back and rise up and fight back. And that at that moment, that's when they make their moves and they crush the vulnerable. And I think that uh, I think that we're going to win. I honestly do. I think that uh, we're going to come out victorious in this but yeah, a that's a really questions.
0: interesting breakdown well done i mean i'm curious because there's obviously especially in the whole conspiracy circles elon musk is a villain right it, like this is how people look as they go oh he's you know he's making Neuralink. he has a lot of darpa stuff backgrounds he's got because these kind of people do contracts with everybody um he sits at the high table he's um you know this and that and then they're thinking that what he's doing right now uh, talking about because there was another interesting interview that came out with him where they were asking about this whole world is overpopulated thing. And he's like, no, I think there's too few humans on the planet. Yep. I was like, well, that that's not. Uh. So then you go, oh, is he just faking it? Is this just all part of the theater? And then you go uh, and then he starts talking about I'm a free speech absolutist. And he was supporting the Canadian truckers and he even donated to the Canadian truckers. And then he. Uh, so why would a, why would a guy like that? be, be supporting a movement that's based on national sovereignty and individual freedom, um, which is the camp that I come from. And, and then, you know, so there's, it's just, he's an enigma, he's an interesting cat. And then there are people that say, well, Elon was a, he was a puppet on strings because the whole world had that other, you know, world economic forum guys and above them power. Um, and so when Trump came in, because of the things that happened, those strings got cut. And Elon wanted them cut. This is another theory because he was starting to not want, he he always spoke against the whole AI thing. And then he just kind of was like, it seemed like he just went, all right, well, if you can't beat him, join him. They're coming anyways. So we have to start upgrading him. Like that's how he believed. I disagree with him on that, but that's what he thinks. But there's been some weird sways with him. And so he's an enigma because there's so many things that he does that not only is it just fluff where he says it. And I go, yeah, I, I agree with that. Elon, good tweet there. But then now that he's doing something that's pissing off the entire Twitter liberal world of trying to buy Twitter, there's this massive standoff that's happening right now. And by the way, I just got banned like a week before this whole thing broke off so I'm missing out. But anyways, um, I'm hoping people are hoping their accounts are going to get reinstated. You also have this thing with the Truth social coming in the background. Don't forget, Trump also has an acquisition firm. It's not just about a social media company, which is really interesting. Elon's taking on partners. Elon's taking a partner. Yeah. And then you go, yeah. So there's a lot
1: of weird shit. Who's one of Elon's good friends? Remember the two creators, one of the two creators, PayPal, one of Elon's good friends. What's his name again? He was an aide to Donald Trump as well, as well as Elon was an aide to Donald Trump or an advisor to Donald
0: Trump, Peter Thiel. Oh, that's right. Peter Thiel. Okay. So before we go to the details, when I'm asking... I'm honestly conflicted when it comes to someone like Elon. Cause I'm like, yeah, Elon, I'm willing to like, take, take Twitter over. Like, but then everybody's got, Oh no, but he's got, he's got another, he works for these guys. I, I'm out. I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's crazy because uh, why would somebody working for the globalists be for free speech and international sovereignty? Unless of course the idea is they're trying to con everybody and then take it all back in another dark way. But I just wonder, is that people's paranoia? I mean, what do you think?
1: Well, did you remember Elon's comment when he talked about uh, the population? He said, I think it's too little because if we're going to go to Mars, yeah. we're going to need a lot more people. <laughs> if we're going to go to Mars. We're going to need a lot more people. Elon wants to get off planet for some reason. I think he knows what's on Mars. I think he understands the 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 opportunity that lays on Mars. I think we all understand that we probably came from Mars.
0: Dude, you just opened <laughs> We're what two hours and forty minutes in, <laughs> and you want to open up the Mars basket? Okay, Josh, let's plan this right now, okay? Because we, I, do, I want to do this one. Let's do a show on this on Mars. I would oh, love dude, to do yeah. it on this on the Mars on the moon shit. Like what's on the moon? Let's do that show as a separate show because there's already too much here. But well, no, that's well, so, that opens but let me, up let, another can of worms.
1: It does, but let me that's let me finish awesome, on that. Though. So. I I was at the eye doctor when I was getting out of the military because they test your eyes before you get out of the military. And uh, I'm like, I got a curious question for me. She was nice girl. And she goes, sure. What? I'm like, "Um, why is it that every animal species on this planet that lives on the surface can look directly into the sun and not squint and not be affected by the sun, except for humans.
0: I never even thought of this.
1: And she goes, because we, we, we lived in the forest through our evolution. I go, even forest animals can do exactly that. Even the ones that grew up in the other parts of darkness. She goes, well, because we started wearing hats. I said, so you don't understand the question, right? But here's the thing. is evolutionary, our skin gets burned by the sun. Our brows aren't big enough to block out the sunlight. So therefore, we can't look into the sun directly. You want to know why? Because we evolved on a planet that didn't have as much sunlight. Mars. That'll leave everybody for the next time.
0: <laughs> That's
1: where we have. Wow.
0: Oh man. There's so much. Oh my God. I, dude, you're a fun to talk to because you're <laughs> like a, like a, like a, what's it like in a library of all the stuff I've ever read. Um, all the crazy theories and all the ideas and guys, we're just, this is just fun stuff, but man, you start to think if any even a fraction of some of this stuff is true, what the hell what is really going on? It's incredible. I yeah. want to do that show with you, Josh. we got a book Let's it, do soon. it
1: Mars. I'm going to write it down right now Mars and the
0: Moon. I want to do the moon too, and I think we could do both in one in one show because yeah. i I've just been watching all this stuff on the moon, Secret influence of the moon. Oh, we could do the whole bases Orion on the con- moon.
1: we could do the whole Orion and Sirius constellation connection to uh, the NASA Apollo missions. we could do oh yeah, man, we could tie all this in there. <laughs> Was the moon landing real? We can look at the Apollo mission where the camera's actually panning up as they're lifting off. There's nobody on the moon. They said they controlled it with remote control, but the remote control also had a 38-second delay. So how are they doing this with the camera with a 38-second delay when the uh, the actual module is lifting off the moon? It doesn't make any sense. It's like it's fake because it was. But – I still well, do you we think they the
0: actually moon. went? I think they went, but they didn't yeah. show you what they saw. They oh, saw the that's footage. exactly
1: it. Yeah, they, that's what... they went and they didn't show you what they what they actually saw because, well, you're not going to want to know what's up there. Right. Not what you think. What is the actual moon? Ooh, that's a good question. Well,
0: Okay, dude, do you know why I'm asking about the moon? I was up late the other night. I was bored. I was like, okay, I can only take so much learning about snake venom in one night. So I just started, to, I threw on a random film. I don't know what, I just watched a film. I downloaded it and it was called Moon, uh, moon Drop or something or like the Moon Moon Crash or something. Oh, it's on I Netflix.
1: I, I know which one you're talking about, yeah.
0: It's, it's something about the moon coming and yeah. crashing into the earth or getting out of orbit. Guess what the whole freaking thing is about, man? The moon is a megastructure that is artificially created and there's a whole internal gyroscopic technology inside. This is in the movie. Yeah. Okay, the whole movie is really about them. Uh, dude, what, you watch that movie before our show and make some notes because Hollywood, oh, man, they tell you yep. shit. I'm telling you. But either way, it's fun. Okay, Josh, this was awesome. We always have so much to talk about. Um, really, really good points. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Um, there's, I know we weaved a lot of information in there but that's just how we roll, man. That's, yeah. that's, that's who you're talking to. That's what this shows are. And, uh, I, I still am, I'm juries out. I'm not committing. I am not, I'm going to follow the red pill project motto. Don't believe it unless you can prove it to yourself, that's know right. thyself, trust yourself, trust your own mind. It all starts with that inner trust. And then you're not going to get drawn down the garden path. And it's okay to entertain a theory for a while, to see if there's anything to it and then compare and contrast. And come to a conclusion and be flexible to change when new information comes. So nobody's saying any kind of full. We're just learning together. So I hope you learned something. I'm learning. Josh, I hope you're learning. I know you are. And we're all coming here together to try to figure out what the hell's going on on this planet. So always a good time, brother. Thank you so much for doing this with me.
1: Thank you much, David. Guys, take care.
0: Awesome. All right, guys. Good night. We'll catch you soon. Cheers, buddy.